Guys, this is another fucking horror podcast. I'm Monique Sanchez. I'm Amy Trayton. I literally just read the bottom of your sweatshirt. It's hysterical. <laughs> I was like, why does she have like an adventurer? Like in a Patagonia shirt. I was shirt. like, you I'm hate like... hiking. You hate being outdoors. Uh, that's great. That's yeah. amazing. It's very comfortable. <laughs> I don't know why I got so tickled about that. It was very unexpected. Thank you. It's the turn. It's, yeah. it's the benign offense of it. Um... It's like subtly sinister. I appreciate that in a shirt, honestly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Like, uh, I was, uh, I went to a comedy show on Monday. Oh, shit. Um, because I got an email that was like, hey, um, we're taping this person special. And they didn't say it, but the underlying thing was, and uh, no one has RSVP'd for this. <gasps> so we need to, like, fill the seats. So if you show up, uh, we will give you an hour of open bar for free uh, and yeah. um, $40 cash at the end of it. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, totally. I will absolutely do that. That's a fucking great deal. For sure. It's great. And so I, I didn't know who the comedian was and, and she, I noticed, you know, maybe 10 minutes into her set and she was very nervous. Like, you know, I get it. It's like, I think it was her first tape special. So like, it's a big deal. Yeah. I get it. And I noticed that there was a teleprompter that had like her whole, her set. And what was interesting to me, so I would like regularly check in with a teleprompter to see like how, because she wasn't reading the teleprompter. It was more okay. like to just like, I guess if she got lost to like catch where she where was. Where she was. And consistently I saw that the joke that had been written in advance was much better than the joke she told. Really? Yeah. Much better. Like the musicality of it, the like punchline of it. Like I remember there was a whole thing. Where I don't remember what the joke was, but it was like something ridiculous. And the written joke was, sir, you're in a bonefish grill. Show some respect. Which is hilarious. <laughs> Which is really funny, yes. And what she said was, sure, sir, you're in a bonefish grill. Have some decorum. And I was like, that doesn't hit that the same That doesn't have way. the same there's, punch. There's too many syllables in decorum. Respect is like, there's a plosive. It's like directed, like ends. Yeah. Decorum like kind of trails off. It's not, there's not the same structure. And it was very interesting to me because I was, I was talking to, uh, cause I went to a baseball game with Donna last night cause she's a big Cub fan. And she's like, I want to go to all four games, but I don't want to go alone. Will you go? And I was like, yeah, yeah, fuck it. Why not? And she was talking about like, she couldn't handle the $10. She was like, she said she was like guffawing through the whole thing. And I was like, <laughs> it's ridiculous. I'm like, I was like, the thing that killed me about it was he thought he was like a stand up dude. He was like, I'm a Lehman or 10. He's like, Lehman I'm a tenor. <laughs> pat myself on the back here and it's like you actually are more of a dick than if you just didn't do anything <laughs> when you made the point that like dude you're gonna die so like you literally could have emptied your bank account for this woman and i was like wow that was actually a really a really good point it's he does not need it anymore this no, is correct you're just an asshole this is correct so and then she was just talking about how like we're so funny and just like the things that come out of our mouths and and like, I was like, well, none of it's planned. Like, cause I don't know what the fuck you're yeah, going to yeah. do. And, but I think just by like loving comedy that I've like studied it kind of through osmosis, I like know how to structure a punchline. Yes. Yes. You know, and like, and the worst it sucks is when I like start a thing and I'm like, <sighs> I lost it. I was like, there's something there. I'm so I, close. Yeah. I, I'm so close. <laughs> and I, I can't get it. <laughs> It's like fuck. I know exactly what you mean. And then you'll, I'll be like two in the morning. I was like, oh, this is this is what been the line. This would have been brilliant. It's hard on the listen back to when you're like, mm, I have the joke for that now, and yeah. it's just uh, I lost my moment. Lost yeah. my window. Yeah, but it was it was interesting to see that uh, 
to see that repeatedly the joke that she had actually like written out was a much funnier joke. It would have gotten a bigger laugh than what she actually said. It's really interesting. Yeah. And I wonder if that was just her like testing things, testing the water to see like... I think she was just nervous. And oh, because not... it was a recorded special, right? Yeah. Oh, shit. I forgot about that. Yeah. That should have been like your best shit, your most polished shit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's a thing of... Because uh, you want to be... I, I understand like being like casual and... But you know, you, you work really hard to make it seem casual and off the cuff. You yes. You know, like... That's part of it. That's the... Yeah. That's yeah. part of the, the craft. And that's what separates like... The Daniel Slosses and the Bo Burnhams from like this chick, like no tea, no shade, but yes. And maybe she'll be amazing, but, and that's, I'm not discounting that she won't be, but like there's work, you know, like it, that was, there was a moment in Inside, which I'm like completely obsessed with and a friend of mine posted Oh, we thing. literally watched it again and we watched uh, Happy too, because we're yeah, happy, yeah. Yeah. My, uh, a friend of mine posted yesterday, he's like, so like, is there like a community out there of like people who just watch inside every night before they go to bed? Or is it like just me? <laughs> no, they're out there. They're definitely out there. And I was like, does listening to the like album every day count? He's like, totally. I'm like, then I'm with you. There are dozens of us. Yeah. Amazing. But there's a scene where he's like, he's not recording a song. He's like trying to record like one of the casual things and he's like not getting it. And he like... Like and he just gets frustrated and like kind of like shuts the whole thing down. Yeah. And the thing is like how it starts out, like it looks like he's just like having like a casual conversation, but not. It's very structured. Yes. And he's not getting it. And like, and I was so like, that is me recording every audition fucking ever. It's so frustrating. And like you have it, and then you start doing it, and it's just like your brain is like, we're no. just gonna forget everything you worked on for the last three days. Cool. Is that fun? Great. For is you? that fun? Yeah. Great. <laughs> I'm just going to take Thanks. a 10. Thanks. Bye. Um, and then to see someone who's like as brilliant as him, like struggle with, the struggle same thing. with that. Yeah. I was just like, I don't feel so alone. I'm like such a fuck up. It's very real. Very relatable. It's very, yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's that thing of, you know, and I was even thinking about that last night at the baseball game. I'm like, you work really hard to make it look easy. Cause I think it's three tenths of a second is the decisions. Three tenths of a second. It's like one of the hardest things you can do. And they like, make it look so easy. Yeah. Because they work their fucking tits off. Yeah. And then and then you see their average and it's and a great average is, you know, three hundred, which means seven times out of ten they're missing the ball. Yeah. But they're still like if you have three hundred, you're fucking nailed. Doing it. doing a great yeah. job, guys. So it's all like perspective. I don't know. It's things that I like uh, constantly to look at and I reflect love it. on my so life. Deep and contemplative, Monique. <laughs> That's my baseline. I, I like that you yes. think it's it's beautiful. Most people are like, I could do. you just like <laughs> chill? Chill the fuck out. I'm like, no, I no. can't. No, I appreciate that you're not the chill the fuck out type of person. Thank I'm you. I'm the chill the fuck out type of person. Whatever, man, it's cool. Whatever That's why do. I think this works out. Yeah. I'm Knock definitely not that. <laughs> Whatever makes you happy. Um, how the fuck are you? I'm wonderful. Guess what I did this week? <gasps> What'd you do? I listened to your Dark Valley episode. Oh, shit. Episode seven, Sabrina. Dude, it was fucking awesome. <gasps> I was really impressed. Thank you. Really impressed. Everyone, if you haven't listened to it yet, stop everything. Go listen to it. Monique is fucking amazing. Thank you so much. And I, yeah, genuinely like really enjoyed it. And even though we had talked about it ahead of time and I kind of like knew yeah. Some things I was still very surprised and thoroughly enjoyed enjoyed myself. So I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah, dude. It was awesome. Thank you so Congrats. much. Yeah, you did a fucking fantastic job. I've never seen you actually yeah. perform because yeah. obviously we met when everything was closed. Closed down, yeah. So I this was honestly like my first chance of getting to like see you 
perform in a way. Obviously listen to you perform. And it takes a certain kind of skill to be able to show so much emotion without showing your face at all. Yeah. So you really do a great job of bringing everything forth with just the tone of your voice. So... Thank round of applause you so for Monique. Much. Oh my god, of course. Oh yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that, like, no, you did a great job. You deserve made all my the day. accolade. Yes. Oh, that, that makes me so happy. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. Fucking fantastic episode. And you're right, very Twilight, Twilight Zone, which I'm all about. Yeah, for sure. And it, it's a it's a very ambitious episode when you listen to it. And the uh writer director, when she came up with the concept, uh, I know her and uh we've worked together before. She was like it has to be her. It can't be anyone else. I totally see that. And then when I got the script, I was like, oh my God. I was like, this is a lot. And like, don't fuck it up. (laughs) You did not fuck it up at all. You did such a good job. Dude, genuinely so impressed. Thank you so much. Yeah, of course. Uh, That warms my heart. That's, Yay! That was such an unexpected treat. Oh, good. You're welcome. I know. I was like, I kept that in my back pocket all week. I almost texted you right after I listened to it. Then I was like, no, I'm going to surprise her. This is better. I want her genuine reaction there. Yeah, so. you nailed it. Um, amazing. <laughs> yeah. So everybody, stop and go listen to Dark Valley. Yeah. Episode seven, Sabrina. Yeah, Sabrina. Check that shit out. Our one and only, our very own Monique Sanchez. Goddamn right. I, so I started a new job recently. <gasps> girl, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Make that money. Yeah, girl. Right. Because I'm Get broke. It. <laughs> girl, for real. <laughs> so. And it's going pretty well. I've only I've only worked a few days, but the craziest serendipitous coincidence, if you will, happened. <gasps> Tell me. So stars align. Always. So I'm talking to one of the higher ups at this place of employment, and he's saying how he's going to the Dominican Republic for the first time. Uh, that he's Dominican, but he's never been there. And he's going to meet his father for the first time. And I was like, oh, shit, that's, like, intense. And we're chatting. And he's like, yeah. He's like, um, he's like, yeah, my dad was in a gang, like, in the 80s. Uh, he was, like, the number three guy the, of the <gasps> Trinitarios. No fucking way, dude. What? And he's like, oh, it's, it's like, this name. And I was like, uh, yeah, I, I know. know exactly who the fuck your dad is. <gasps> I know exactly who the fuck your dad is. And like, granted, he was part of it before everything that happened with Junior. Yeah. But I researched all of it. So I was like, I know exactly who your dad is. What the fuck? What the fuck are the odds? That's insane. Yeah. And he's like that he fucked off uh, to the Dominican (gasps) Republic because I guess he had some heat on him. But and then he like turned his life around and became a doctor. Oh, shit. So good for him. Yeah, man. I guess it it goes to show that, you know... Just because you're in a shitty circumstance doesn't mean you have to stay there. Yeah. And you could always turn your life around. Started from the bottom. Now we're here. Girl. Um, but uh, <laughs> what are the fucking odds of that? That's insane. Yeah. Fuck. I know. I love it. I love it. It's like, it's such a small world, really. Dude, it's so we're... big, but it's so small at the yeah. same time. And I definitely didn't didn't get into why I knew. Oh, yeah. No, you can't <laughs> really like, do that. Um, <laughs> Actually. Hey, by the way. Hey. Uh, and I always like drop, name drop the podcast whenever I can, but I was like, I think this is one where I like play close to the vest. Yeah. You know what I mean? We don't need to, <laughs> we don't need to bring that up. <laughs> we don't need to bring it up. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, also I'm pretty sure he's aware of how fucking brutal and oh, savage yeah. they were. Yeah. He's like, be like, what? They did what? He'd be like, I mean, yeah, yeah probably. It was a gang. Like. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> in the fucking Bronx. Like, let's be fucking real. So that was a weird. That's so bizarre, dude. Little combo. Also. We have 
some intel <gasps> from the one and only Queen Grace. Queen Grace. Tell me, girl. You know I live for these. Oh, you're not even fucking ready. <laughs> Never am. I'm so I fucking, literally I'm so ready fucking obsessed life. with us. Hello, ladies. I know that Monday's the day you typically record, and I don't know if you're in the middle of it right now. Actually, I was a fucking slacker, so <laughs> I, <know. laughs> we had, I had Amy push back the recording date because I couldn't get my fucking life together. So, no, girl, this is making it to this, current, this episode. Fuck yes. Um, Serendipitous. See, it worked out perfectly. Exactly. Yeah. So she starts off with... But I will absolutely send you a picture of Henry that I will take during shift change on Wednesday. Fangirling so hard right now. I'm so excited. I can't even handle it. I'm like it. giddy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> definitely got a few DMs of like, I would absolutely wear a Henry shirt. Thank you. So, yeah. So that might so be a thing in the future. Yeah. I'm down to fucking clown. <laughs> yes, girl. I've already like worked out the logistics in my head and haven't told you about it. I'm making yes! Henry fan That's That's exactly how it should be, honestly. <laughs> so she continues. Additionally, I have not yet had a chance to actually write this in a formal email, but in regards to your questions from your podcast episode in which people began bleeding from the eyes and frothing at the <gasps> mouth. As the pathophysiology behind this phenomenon is a bit beyond my pay grade, I contacted... Girl, you and me both, like... <laughs> for fucking real. Legitimately. Legitimately. That was too relatable. That was the perfect way to put this, Grace. Yeah. Yes. I contacted one of our state forensic <gasps> pathologists and asked her what she thought of it. Grace, we, we so don't, don't fucking deserve, deserve you. you. I like, can't even fucking what? handle it. I was not really a believer, seeing as how... I used to work 911 at ski resorts, and I've never actually seen a case of what is referred to as HAPE, high-altitude pulmonary edema. However, when I called the state forensic pathologist, her name is Becky, and she's a total fucking badass. Becky! Becky, girl. girl. She confirmed that the bleeding from the eyes, referred to as conjunctival hemorrhaging, is absolutely a symptom of high altitude issues there you go and the brief description that i gave her did sound like high altitude problems she said that underlying disease can contribute to it and make it worse but she was also super busy <laughs> when i asked her this <laughs> was like, i don't have time for your fucking russian hikers okay it's ridiculous <laughs> exactly <laughs> and so we didn't get too far into it however i guess there's your answer the foaming at the mouth and bleeding from the eyes can be a feature of high altitude. Damn. Grace. Grace. Thank you. We're obsessed. You always come through. Always come through. I can't even fucking handle it. Also, she gave us her number uh, hey saying girl. that if we ever have a question while we're in the midst of recording to feel free to oh call my God, Grace. and have a, a consult on the air. I can't handle it. I can like seriously. We say it all the time. Like we don't deserve you. You're no, amazing. Like you're this is so above amazing. and beyond anything I could have ever asked for. Literally. Ah, uh, how thank fucking you cool so was much. it? Yeah. Thank you so much. You're so fucking rad. That's so fucking rad, dude. For the bleeding from the eyes, I'll That's never be the same. Crazy. Oh, knowing yeah, that no. that could like actually be it's, a thing. It's so horrifying, and it never really occurred to me that yeah, that could just happen to you. See, I felt like I lived a better life not knowing that. <laughs> before that, before this information came into your life. That's fair. That's probably true. Yeah. Oh. And uh, I just want to give a shout out to OG listener Elise. 
Elise. Elise. She's traveling to one of my favorite cities in the world, <gasps> New Orleans. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. And basically, like, right after she got there, she took a bit of a nasty spill and ended oh, no. up in, in urgent care. I'm sure she's fine, but just want to send you some love. Girl, we hope you're okay. Yeah, and just have, like, four frozen Irish coffees and you'll be fine. Those uneven fucking Bourbon Street streets Girl. are, like, no joke. I have almost died on them not wearing heels and absolutely like just like ah oh, i rolled my ankle fuck this yeah, yeah. the last oh. time i went i went with a friend of mine who the only time she didn't wear four inch heels was when she was sleeping the entire oh, time over there i am not that person and i will never be that person oh girl and i was like the most you can get from me is a wedge oh uh, yeah girl no i need the super chunky platform otherwise i will die absolutely literally it's the cobble, the cobblestone streets, oh. and then like just the pavement. That's like, I mean, fuck you, yeah, literally. Like, <laughs> so I, I've literally like, come up where there was just like a huge hole, like into the sewer. Yeah, basically, we're just like, is there no cones? Like nobody wanted to put any sort of like indication no. that there's like a huge hole here we could die in. No, no, man, this is fucking just deadwood like, here. Good luck. Yeah, y- you figure out your fucking life. If you can't. You're in a hole. Sorry, dude. This is Nola, baby. Only the strong survive. Right? Seriously. Um, I'm sure she'll be fine, but uh, I just wanted to send you some love. Girl. And it's not going to ruin your trip. No You're way. Trip. It's fucking New Orleans. Come on. Just get somebody to piggyback you the whole time. Exactly. You, you got go. fucking vampires and to-go cups. What the fuck else do you right? need, man? Drive through daiquiri places. Like, it's basically <laughs> yeah. heaven. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Like, yeah. And in case you're not properly thinking about that, a drive-through yeah. daiquiri place. I didn't know that was a thing. Who would? Because that is that doesn't make any sense. highly illegal. Like the, these things don't add up. I found according to the law. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I the only reason I found out about that was because on one of my tours with French Quarter Phantoms, hey, hey. girls, you guys are fucking amazing. The tour guide was like, hey, so um, we're going to need you to be on the sidewalk because um, New Orleans has drive through diary places. <laughs> so we're going to make sure that like, you know, so the, the drunk driving is definitely a fucking thing. Yeah. So we want to make sure you're as safe as possible. So like, don't be on the street. No. Unless we're don't crossing Don't make it easier street. for them. Exactly. Like, yeah. Don't let them live out their Grand Theft Auto fantasies. No. Exactly. Please God, no. Yeah. It's funny because she like messaged me being like, this happened and I've been here forever. And I was like, okay, girl. And Nola, everything takes for fucking ever. No one is in a rush to do anything. I can't imagine like. So I'm like freaking out. Urgent care. Yeah. Oh my God. So I'm like stressing out. Isn't going to get you out of there quicker? No. So I'm like pull up a menu of like a place you want to go for dinner. Like pick out the dessert you want. Like start looking at shit that you want from menu. Like, yeah. You know, treat yourself, treat yourself. Ask the doctor, like what's his favorite place that like yeah it's only locals find that silver lining i'm all about that shit i love it um i keep just thinking of the office episode where toby goes to costa rica (laughs) and he fucking like gets in the zip lining accident literally as soon as he gets there yeah (laughs) so that's how he spends his whole trip it's fucking ridiculous at least it's definitely not in that okay good all right Um, that's what i'm picturing and that's that's my fear i don't know she just like took a took a took a fall on the the um girl the that pavement is yeah gets you every no fucking time. yeah that and savannah i feel like are really really oh that like walk up the river in savannah with the cobblestones i'm just bad on cobblestones clearly it doesn't matter where it is you know i'm just i'm a flip-flop gal obviously oh yeah so like girl sneakers all the way kids kids are my jam yeah, I don't know. I like a cobblestone. I just, like, I just need to know that's what yeah. the fuck is happening. Oh, yeah. God, no. You know, 
Like, that's like when you go to a wedding and they're like, oh, by the way, it's outdoors in the grass. And you're like, you should have fucking told me that before I wore stilettos. <laughs> now I can't fuck? walk. Thanks. Now I'm like literally just like, like back. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. Like, let real. a fucking bitch know. Seriously. The struggles of being a woman. Yeah. Or, or a man who wears heels or, you know, or everyone in between. Yeah. Happy pride, man. It's fucking Kinky June. Kinky boots. There you go. Yeah. Kinky fucking boots. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Reporter. Obsessed. Happy pride. That's Happy nice. pride. Yeah. Do you have anything else? Loki came out. I'm excited. I know you don't give a shit about Marvel things, but. Yeah. I, there's so many. It's so hard to keep there's up. There's so many. I'm, I might be the most excited about this one, weirdly. No shit. Yeah. I was really excited for WandaVision, but this is really good. And it has like kind of like Legion vibes to me because it's got that like 70s aesthetic, which is very cool. So I don't know. And it's got time travel, which I fucking am here for. Yeah. So very cool. I'm super excited. I had seen stuff about Loki, but I was like, is this a new thing? Is it something else? New show. New Marvel show. So many things. I know. Yeah. But you love a bad boy. Who doesn't? A dark. tortured soul yeah so i think they're called complicated (laughs) (laughs) that's too nice of a term for it of course everyone's like no he's like actually the worst like is he though i don't know my love will fix it (laughs) he he grows as a as a character because he's not just a two-dimensional character so i live for that i will give him that i was on my way here because i guess uh there's like all these uh, for your consideration campaigns happening like uh, for award season okay i guess So there are all these, like, four-year consideration ads, because, like, being in the Screen Actors Guild, you get a lot of that kind of shit. Yeah. And I was, this morning on my way here, reminded of Perry Mason, the HBO series. I tried so hard to get into that, and I heard so many amazing things, and I just couldn't. I get that. And I love him. He's great. I mean, he's very... Sexy as fuck, and... Sploosh-inducing. Yeah, and he's an amazing actor, like, and I just, I don't know. I tried. That's okay. Can do it. It's all good. But I was just like, oh yeah, I remember this. Yeah, I remember. So being... that's up for awards, obviously. Um, they're like campaigning for it. Okay. But I was just like, oh yeah, I remember being very emotionally invested in Perry Mason. So you watched it? It was. Good. I did watch. It. Okay. I did enjoy it. Yeah, and okay. I just and he's very complicated and mm, like yeah fucked up but like has a heart of gold that's like my niche that's the i that's live the for dream it. girl i live fucked for up it. with a heart of gold oh my fuck Ugh. the problem is is that with a lot of the guys that i date it just turns out they're just fucked up <laughs> <laughs> they have a heart that's, of shit yeah that's when i find out it's like what a twist uh <laughs> i projected on. the heart of gold portion on him clearly yeah well, you know what it is i think that people like know that that's a trope and they're like yeah. that's how i can like suck you in or there's also the thing of like they want to believe they're better people than they are than they actually are yeah yeah that's that's most people in my opinion I, yeah kind of yeah and then it's like oh no you're actually just trash yeah i mean that's me at least so <laughs> stop <laughs> the fuck out i'm obsessed with you i'm obsessed with you <laughs> So do you have a, a spooky, creepy, what the fuck story? Girl, I got a spooky, creepy, what the fuck story. Oh my God, I'm so excited. apparently I didn't get enough true crime last week, so I kind of like uh, got the best of both worlds this Oh week. shit! So when it sounds like the true crime story and you're like, wait, what the fuck? Amy's going first. I thought she was paranormal. This bitch fucked up so bad this week. No, girl. I, got I mean, that's sometimes we do that. Like, that's yeah. Like the... You love to do that. Extra credit. You're such a good <laughs> two shoes. <laughs> no, I love it. Always. Extra credit. 
Um, As if we're graded at the end of this. Yeah. yeah. You get a fail. Because I know. You, always. <laughs> you just cut and pasted from so many sites. Uh, but yeah, this would not pass the anti-plagiarism. Oh, no. No. situation that's why i have like 47 sources at the top of everything yes yeah like covering my ass that's the for sure part. all right so ready for your paranormal true crime this week yes that's, so that's the sound of me rubbing my hands <laughs> i'm so excited In anticipation yes. i love it so sources unsolved mysteries Fuck season yes. 219 medium.com morbidology.com findagrave.com washington post chicagonow.com this Paranormal Life podcast with Kit and Rory, which if you haven't checked it out, it's really good. It's really interesting. They're both really funny and personable, and they have lovely British accents, so... This Paranormal Life? This Paranormal Life, yes. Cool. And yeah, and they lean towards the skeptical side. So okay. if that's your jam, highly recommend it. Definitely check it out. So uh, is it skeptical like us skeptical? Skeptical like us skeptical. Okay, because I, I don't want to be like, this is all bullshit. I'm like, well, then what the fuck? Typically, it's them like investigating it. So at the end, they'll make a determination of whether like we we think this is bullshit. We think this is okay, like kind of valid, which considering most paranormal things have not been proven with any sort of significant amount of data. Most of them end in kind of like a bullshit sure. verdict, but that's kind of to be expected. I don't know if you get into it. In your story, but I will ask what their verdict is at the end of it. Okay. I will let you know. I'm so excited. So, as I mentioned, the story was featured on Unsolved Mysteries, and according to the show's co-creator, Terry Dunn, it's actually one of her top 10 favorite all-time cases. Holy shit! So, it's up there, guys. I'm obsessed. Also, can we just take a second to just, like... Acknowledge that Robert Stack is like totally a daddy. Oh, yes. Yeah. He can, yeah. He can fucking get it. He can get it. I get confused feelings whenever I watch Unsolved Mysteries where I'm like, I don't think I should be feeling like this. (laughs) No, for sure. Same. Because I was like a child when this was happening. But like Robert Stack could fucking get it. And I just needed to publicly state that. (laughs) I mean, I don't think anyone's going to disagree with you. (laughs) At least in my world, no. Absolutely not. Continue. <laughs> that just I'm glad we got that out of the way. No, yeah, we just need to get that out of the way. I mean, come on. Honestly. Obviously. You gotta get the facts out of the way first. Of okay. course. So today, I'm going to tell you about the murder of Teresita Basa. Teresita was born in 1929 in the Philippines and was the only daughter of a successful lawyer and his wife. She had a privileged, carefree upbringing and was able to attend Assumption College in Manila. After she graduated, she came to the United States and earned her master's degree in music at Indiana University. Mm. Eventually, she decided that she wanted to work in the medical field and went on to study inhalation therapy. In 1977, Teresita was 48 years old and living in Chicago, Illinois. She was working as a respiratory therapist at Edgewater Hospital and was extremely dedicated to her job. Those who knew her described her as reserved and polite. In addition to her career as a respiratory therapist, she had also decided to go back to school and was working on her doctoral thesis in music at Loyola University. Shit. Yeah. She's like, fuck free time. I got this. (laughs) I have things to do. Thanks. She led a quiet life and in what little free time she had, she gave piano lessons. Holy shit. Yeah. So this girl is just like getting shit done. Yeah. Kicking ass, taking names. Right? Far more ambitious than I am. Girl. 
On Monday, February 21st, 1977, Teresita worked her normal shift at the hospital, then returned to her apartment at 2740 North Pine Grove Avenue. Around 7.30 p.m., Teresita's friend from the hospital, Ruth Loeb, called her, and they talked for around 20 minutes. Then Teresita said she had to go because she was expecting a male visitor. She didn't say who it was or provide any other information, and Ruth didn't think to ask. An hour later, around 8.40, a couple who lived down the hall from Teresita started to smell smoke, (gasps) but couldn't tell where it was coming from. So they immediately let the janitor know, and he called the fire department and started evacuating the other residents. By the time the firefighters arrived, the hallway was filled with smoke, and they quickly made their way to the source, apartment 15B, Teresita's apartment. Oh my god. The janitor let them into the apartment, and they were able to extinguish the flame in minutes. There was minimal damage, but they quickly realized the fire was set intentionally, and they were horrified when they found Teresita's nude body under a mattress on the floor. Oh my god. I know. There was a kitchen knife still in her chest, (gasps) and the police were immediately called. Holy fuck! Yes. I know. Again, seems like the true crime portion of the podcast, but it's not. I, like, can't wait to hear how this turns into the paranormal portion of the podcast. Girl, you're going to be here for it. Obviously. As soon as I read the story, I was like, oh. I feel like Monique's got this one in her, like, little folder of stories that she's... Her, like, Rolodex. absolutely do not. (gasps) Fuck yes. (laughs) (laughs) The detectives confirmed it was a homicide and that the fire had been an attempt to destroy the evidence. The killer had thrown a pile of clothing on her and set it on fire, then placed the mattress on her body and set that on fire, too. Holy fuck. Because she was naked, detectives believed that the murderer had also raped Teresita before killing her. Oh, my God. However, the medical examination showed no sign of sexual assault. Her body was flown back to the Philippines for burial. While the smoke and fire had destroyed any fingerprints, it was clear the apartment had been ransacked and that a struggle had clearly taken place. Mm -hmm. However, the police couldn't actually tell if anything had been taken. Detectives looked for clues, but it didn't appear as though there was any physical evidence from the killer. One of the only clues they had was a note that Teresita had written to herself that said, quote, get theater tickets for A.S., end quote. They didn't know who A.S. was or how long ago she had written the note, but they were interested in finding whoever it was to see if they could shed light on her murder. What, what, um, year is this again? 1977. Okay. So before DNA yeah, yeah, yeah. profiling yeah. and all that fun, fun jazz. So it's like fingerprints and... Right. Basically the dude just has to leave like his fuck... I'm assuming it's a man <laughs> because let's be fucking real. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, he basically has to leave his yeah. fucking like social and his yeah. ID. And it's like... <laughs> his business card. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. This is my facsimile. Yeah. Um, like, that's basically how you found people back then. Basically. What the fuck? Yeah. You could just, like, jizz everywhere and, like, drink your fucking sodas and shit, and they'd still be like, Bye. I don't know. I don't know who it is. Crazy. <sighs> Over the next several weeks, Detective Joseph Stahula and his partner, Lee Eflin, interviewed Teresita's friends, coworkers, neighbors, and classmates. They described her, as I said before, as a reserved and polite woman who was completely dedicated to her job. She had no known enemies, and people were shocked to hear of her murder. Even after these extensive interviews, the detectives still didn't have any leads on her killer, though, and hadn't been able to discover the identity of A.S. See, hearing shit like this freaks me out, because I pull shit like this all the time. Well, you'll have somebody come over and you don't tell anybody or anything? Yeah, I'll be like like fucking someone for five years and like no one knows about it. Girl. And like... Uh, you know, friends will be like, oh, do you want to get, like, brunch? And I'm like, I'm in another state. Like, I just, yeah. I play, you know, I, I grew up with, like, lots of... I know what you mean. <laughs> so are 
you're like, if I ever disappear one day, they're not going to know to look for this person <laughs> at all. For sure. Like, you know, and I just, I've, I've grown up knowing that people got lots of opinions. So I just like moving in silence because I don't want your fucking opinion. Yeah. And I know that makes me way more vulnerable to be murdered and have no one fucking know about it for like two months. <sighs> yes, but that hasn't happened yet. So clearly Not yet. the people that you're choosing wood. to uh, trust, <laughs> to trust with that, yeah. deserve that trust and are not the murdering type. Yeah. Here's but open. yeah, I was like, obviously I'm not in that situation now, but I have definitely done that in the past where I was like, this is dumb. Like nobody knows where I am if I actually wound up dead right now. Like people would be confused. There would be, yeah. there would be a huge issue with like, why were you there? For sure. Yeah. I, I definitely had a situation. <laughs> I remember having a situation in Cleveland and I was like, man, if I die tonight, my parents are going to be really pissed. And they're going to be like, what the fuck was she doing in, in Cleveland? Cleveland? <laughs> this makes no sense. <laughs> so I did this all the time. And like, I've escaped death uh, every time, but like, I feel like I'm, I'm running out the clock on that one. <laughs> You've punched your ticket a few too many times. Girl. It's about to be up. Shit. I just don't want people in my business. And Girl, I don't want to hear I the fucking it. opinion. Fuck them. Yeah. You don't need that shit. It's very rarely like, I think that's a great idea. I totally support this. I'm, like, no. I'm really happy for you. No. No. I want to fucking, I'm a grown ass woman. Do, do whatever, what you want. Yeah. Do whatever I want. Respect my authority. Yes. <laughs> it's my hot body. I'll do what I want. Yes. Ah. Words to live by, guys. Girl. All right. But back to the murder. Yeah. So. They do all these extensive interviews, and then they ask the public for assistance, but they didn't receive many tips, and unfortunately, after a few months, the case went cold. Mm -hmm. Then, five and a half months after the murder, in July 1977, Detective Stahula got to work to find a note on his desk saying he should call the Evanston Police Department about the murder of Teresita Bassa. Oof. He immediately called them back and was told that he should get in contact with Dr. Joe Chihua, a physician originally from the Philippines who lived in a suburb of Chicago and claimed to have information about the murder. So the detectives arranged to interview the doctor at his home. And when they arrived, Dr. Chua seemed embarrassed to tell them what he knew. He made a little small talk. Then he asked if they believed in the supernatural or the occult. <laughs> Monique's hands just went up. Guys. I am so excited. Oh my God. <gasps> I'm excited because Monique's so excited. Oh my god, I'm so excited. I hate that this woman's dead, but like, I'm so excited about this. Yes. Okay, continue. I'm, and also, I might amend this and be like, I'm such a trash person. No, no, like, no, no. I would not let you do that. I would, <laughs> I would tell you, like, well, girl, wait, before we get excited. Well, I mean, because we were both burned by the organ transplant. The organ, <sighs> black market organ story. I think about that at least, at least 10 times every week. I just like Shit. randomly get into it like a thing where I'm just like, they're fucking taking the fucking organs in China. And everyone and knows. And we and just like, can't do it. Better like we're not. It's like, better like we all know. It's like, <laughs> like and we see you bye. actually. Yeah. Okay, thanks. All these numbers don't actually add up. So you're it's lying. Like, oh, look, what's that over there? Scare away. Yeah. <laughs> to steal more organs. What the fuck? Oh my God. Oh my gosh. Uh, but yeah, we did get really excited about yeah, that. Yeah. And then I was like, oh like, no, um, this is trash. And we're trash people <laughs> for being this excited. Yeah. We didn't know the scope. We did not know the scope. And now we know it's now. So asked if they believed in the supernatural or occult. They tried to appear non-judgmental and they told him they see a lot of weird stuff at their job and they always try to keep an open mind. But honestly, they had kind of already resigned themselves to the fact that they had come there for no reason. They yeah, like, they're like, Fuck. okay, this guy's a fucking loony. Yeah, dude. great. 
Finally, he told them that he believed that his wife, Remy, as she was known, had been possessed by the spirit of Teresita Bassa. What the fuck? One day, Remy, who worked at the same hospital as Teresita and was also from the Philippines, said that she laid down for a quick nap after a long shift in the hospital lounge and said that when she did, she saw a vision of Teresita. She was frightened by it, but just told herself it must have been a dream and tried to forget about it. Then, a couple days later, when Remy was at home with her husband, she just got up unexpectedly from a living room chair and went into the bedroom. Dr. Chihua followed her and found her lying down on the bed, staring blankly. When he asked what was wrong, the voice that answered him was not his wife. Get the fuck out! He told the police that she looked almost comatose while she was speaking and that he didn't recognize the voice she was using. She spoke Tagalog, the national language of the Philippines, but with a strange Spanish accent. Mm. When he asked her her name, she said, quote, I am Teresita Basa, end quote. She then told him that she needed his help. She said she'd been stabbed to death by a man named Alan Showery <gasps> and that she needed him to tell the police. She told him Alan was an orderly at the hospital she had worked at and had come by her apartment to fix her television, but had killed her instead. After about 30 minutes, she reiterated that he should go to the police. Then the strange voice faded and he was once again speaking to his wife, who had absolutely <gasps> no recollection of what had just happened. However... Despite Teresita's request, Dr. Chihua and Remy didn't immediately go to the police. Yeah, because they're like, what the fuck just happened? Yes. Did he have like a seizure? Like, what happened? Yes. And they were worried that they would, quote, only appear foolish, end quote. Yeah, because these are also people who are like in the medical field. Yes. They're, like, having confidence in them and what they say is paramount. Yes. So to like, be like, my wife was possessed by a dead nurse. Like, people are going to be like, you're fucking Looney Tune. Yes. Her husband's a doctor. She's a respiratory therapist. I mean. Yes. The following week, though, when Remy was asleep, the voice returned <gasps> again. This time, it was more insistent and wanted to know why Dr. Chihua hadn't gone to the police. He tried to reason with the voice, saying he wasn't going to go to the police without proof to back up her claim that Alan Showery had murdered Teresita. The voice said it would give him proof and proceeded to tell him that Alan had stolen some jewelry from her apartment, very unique pieces, and had given them to his girlfriend. Since the police were still operating under the impression that nothing had been stolen, this was news to them. Oh my, okay, guys, I so wish you could see, like, how, like, you're, I'm, you're... like, losing my fucking mind over this. <gasps> your face and your arms are up, it's amazing. It's, I literally I'm look like this. I'm on a roller coaster. Like, arms are up, I'm like... The dip is coming. Girl. Oh my God. Splash Mountain. Hey, baby. <laughs> Splash Mountain, indeed. <laughs> While Dr. Chihua was still skeptical about his wife's quote unquote possession, he also didn't want her to have any more of these episodes. So they finally decided to call the police. The detectives weren't completely convinced, but Detective Stahula said, quote, being a policeman, you can tell when somebody is sincere and when they firmly believe they're giving you good information. Mm. And I could tell he believed what he was telling me was the truth. End quote. Girl. I mean, and yeah, you could tell when someone's like, you know, spinning, spinning a yarn or whatever. Yeah. Or like when there, there was a game ages ago called um, L.A. Noir. 
Okay. It was a like a role player game, and it's like it a was a video game, right? It's a video yeah. game set in like noir era, and like basically you were a detective, and you had to investigate like the Black Dahlia murder and stuff, and you okay. had to like interview Fun. different characters, and it was like everyone who was like not. Basically, like, the time off from Mad Men. It was, like, every actor who was in Mad Men was in it who wasn't, like, John Hamm. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. And I remember I used to help my ex, like, during the interviews because they'd be, like, this person's lying. <gasps> because of, like, they're, like, not... They don't have direct eye contact. They're, like, shifty in, like, how they're answering the questions. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. I love all that and shit. I always fucking got it right. It's a great game. Uh, I'm not... And as you know, I'm not a game player, but that was a really cool game. And but the things you can tell when someone's bullshitting you, when oh, you're yeah. asking information, and you can tell when someone's like, "No, ten thousand percent, this is what the fuck happened." Yeah, unless you're like a fucking incredibly good liar and or actor or right. something, then yes, it's generally easier than you think. I think sometimes for sure, people have we, so many tells. Yes, and it's most of the time like we allow ourselves to believe what the person's telling us rather than just being like. Mm. Yeah, because when you find out a thing like was bullshit, when you look back, you're like. I mean, I, I could tell. Yeah, like and I, I knew. just wanted to. I believe just took it. them at their word. Yes, that they wouldn't just be lying to me over some stupid shit. That I just matter. wanted yeah. to believe they weren't a trash person. Yeah, yeah, totally. But they are, and now I know. Great, you know, just the the story of life. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you ever watched this show, but I was super obsessed with it. I feel like it used to be on Fox. Um, it's called Lie to Me. With yes, Tim Roth. Yes, yes, yes. <gasps> From Reservoir Dogs, who's amazing. Uh, I was fucking obsessed. I'm sure not based on any sort of real scientific accuracy, but mm, I loved it. He was basically just like super good at telling everyone's tells and could just like read everybody. And like a team of people he taught to like I love that. read people and criminals so they could tell who was guilty and who wasn't. That's it was if, the whole premise of the show, literally. If I wanted to have like a stable career, that behavioral science Ooh, like, yeah. is totally what I would do. I regret not going into psychology. That actually would have been way more up my alley than chemistry. I mean, yeah, you just want to do all this unethical shit. <laughs> I do. I want to just pick into everyone's brains. And yeah, I want to set up some fucked up experiment where it really makes you question uh, how ethical you are as a human being. That's you, my jam. You find out a lot of shit about <laughs> hu- really the human condition when you do. It's pretty disappointing, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're not like guys who are nailing it. No. <laughs> That's no. never how the, the experiment turns out. No. It's like, oh, we're trash. Great. Glad to hear it. I'm going to go sob in my bed for the next four hours. I'm going to write up this uh, report now. (laughs) So Detective Sahula believes, maybe not that she's possessed, but at least that they believe that she's possessed. Mm -hmm. But despite their skepticism regarding the origin of the information, the name Alan Showery Checks did out. match the initials on the note, mm-hmm. so they were willing to entertain the possibility and investigate Remy slash Teresita's claim. Uh, question. You yes. may not have this information. That's fine. Was it released to the public that they had this note? I don't have that information. All good. That was a very good question, though, and I would like to know. We'll, we'll do an update on it. There you go. If we find out, because that might not be available. I might look into it. I'll try to answer that for you. Yeah. Plus, the police now had a lead on possible evidence and connection to the crime in the form of Teresita's stolen jewelry. Yeah, because they had nothing before. Had nothing before. And they weren't even sure that anything had been taken from the apartment, really. So the detectives ran a background check on Alan Showery and found that not only did he live near Teresita, but he was still employed at the same hospital as her, Edgewater Hospital. They asked Teresita and Alan's co-workers about a connection between them and were taken aback when they said that Alan had mentioned fixing Teresita's television for her on the day she had been murdered. 
With that, the detectives went to find Alan. They dropped by his apartment and found him and his girlfriend there. They told him they were investigating Teresita Bass's murder and asked if he would be willing to go down to the police station with them. And Alan agreed. During their interview, he initially denied going to her apartment, but when they told him that other people had heard him saying he was going to fix her television, he changed his story. Ooh. He said he did go to her apartment, but once he was there, he realized he didn't have a tool that he needed, so he would have to fix it another time, and he went straight home. Guys, you know, the line, you gotta, I don't know if I mentioned this, but a couple weeks ago, I did a deep dive into a... Uh, the amazing series on Comedy Central uh, in the uh, late 90s or, uh, to like 2010s, Comedy Central Presents. Oh my God, it's so, so good. good. The first episode is Wanda Sykes and it's fucking perfect. And she talks about, because uh, the Bill Clinton, Monica Lindsay scandal happened. Yes. And how he like kind of was wishy-washy with his answers. <laughs> it's the most ridiculous thing it's ever. It's ridiculous. Yeah. You know, the whole like... Debates the meaning of the word is. is? Yeah. Get the fuck out yeah. of here. I mean, that's the most political politician shit I've yeah. ever heard in my life. She was like, his fuck up was he didn't believe his lie. Yeah. Like, and the lie has to be wholehearted for you. That be, that has to become the truth for you. It's like like OJ. Yes. It's like, OJ, what'd you do? Nothing. You gotta believe <laughs> that fucking lie. Yep. Dude. Yep. I don't care how many times you have to keep telling yourself it to believe it, but yes. It needs to become the fucking truth for you. Yes. Either that or you just don't remember. You don't remember. I don't recall. I don't remember. I don't know. I just don't know. Yeah. I'm sorry. I don't know. I don't recall. Yeah. Because then you you won't get a perjury charge if you're like, I don't recall. I just don't recall. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I barely remember what the fuck I did yesterday. It's, it's super, <laughs> super fair. Dude, if the cops showed up at my apartment and were like, where were you two weeks ago on Wednesday? I'd be like, I literally have no fucking idea. I don't know. No. I have no. no fucking idea. Like... Probably by myself, which is the worst alibi ever. <laughs> I'm fucked. Girl, I keep Johnny around just for an alibi, I swear to God. <laughs> Dude, right. I need to get me one of those. Permanent Comes alibi. In handy, yes. <sighs> the benefits of having a boyfriend, everyone. Girl. I knew there was one. There's, yeah. There's at least one. There's at least one. So... He changes his story. He says he needs to go straight home. And he claimed that he and his girlfriend were having electrical issues and he had to go home and fix it. Uh, what what is his job at the hospital again? He's an orderly. But he's also like a fucking freelance electrician? Like, what the fuck is this? I mean, it's the 70s. I feel like people are handy. And they just like... Oh, okay. Do shit. I don't know. Maybe. It's 2021. I can't do anything. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you watch a YouTube video on it, because that's how we learn Girl. how to do shit. Girl. You know what? I'd like to take a moment for the unsung heroes of YouTube who have so much time on their fucking hands and yeah, literally... But- it doesn't matter what you need to learn how to do. There will be like 20 videos on it. Yes. We salute you. Thank you. Thank you You're for doing your God's service. God's work, yes. Goddamn fucking right. Yes. <laughs> Much appreciated, trust me. For sure. I can't, like, I didn't know how to fucking poach an egg. or like. Seriously. Ch- I, like, fixed my sewing machine with that. Girl. I, the zebra printer at fucking work. Don't even get me started. The fucking zebra printer. Girl. Literally same. Yes. yes. I know. Yes. Yes. The struggle is real. YouTube, we salute you. Right? Thank you. Thank you. So, although the detectives were still skeptical about Remy's possession, it seemed as though they were on the right track. They paused the interview with Alan to go back and talk to his girlfriend and confirm what he had been telling them. She said they hadn't had any electrical problems and that Alan wouldn't have known how to fix them anyway. Oh my fucking God, you're so bad at this. (laughs) You're so... Which, like, great. But, like... 
You're so bad at this. Right? Also, this would tie be... Tie up your loose ends and fucking lie better. The lie has to be the truth for you and you need to tie up a fucking loose end. That fucking archer. Yes. Tie up your loose ends. Like, hey, Pam, need a tampon? Like, tie yes. up your fucking <laughs> loose ends. Oh my God, you people are so bad at this. This is why I'll never commit a crime because even though I think I'd be better than this asshole... Probably. That's a lot of effort for me. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm just, my head's like just above water in my life. Constantly, yeah. You know, so like, go through all this. That's just, it's really just like a massive inconvenience to me, to be completely frank. <laughs> that I don't like be. For purge people, the fuck yeah. out of like society. I'm just like, oh, that's a lot of work. Yeah. I'm, I'm good, actually. Thanks. Fuck, this guy's so bad at it. Oh my God. Yeah. Not great. When the police asked if Alan had given her any pieces of jewelry lately, <gasps> she said yes. Oh my god, I love this so much. <sighs> that he had given her several pieces in February, telling her they were belated Christmas gifts. Which, dude, really belated. Like, cool. yeah. Why are you still fucking with this dude? Why would you not say they were Valentine's Day gifts? Because he's fucking terrible at everything. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Like, think of your holidays. Like, that is literally closer to when the murder took place, like, the 21st. This guy's so, a fucking dunce. That's just, why. Come on. Just, I'm helping you out here. I, <laughs> Lie. Well, because better. also, let's be fucking real. That means he didn't get her for, dick for Christmas. Or, yeah, no. What are you doing with this homeboy? For real. Girl. No, not to, like, victim blame, but, like, girl... Like, there's a moment where you have, have a kiki with yourself and be like, is this dude trash? Like, am I having a thing where, like, I would rather be with a trash monster than be alone? alone? Girl, then you need to have a kiki with yourself and love yourself. I think that's what this is, yes. I mean, and I've been there. I fucking get it. But, like, sweetheart, yeah. if it's two months later and homeboy's like, oh, this is from Christmas. Yeah. And, like, flag. and, like, here's an IOU for Valentine's Day. What the fuck is happening here? Seriously. Look oh, at your life. Look at your choices. Raw. Mm-mm. She was actually wearing them <gasps> when they of questioned her she fucking was. and showed them a pendant around her neck and the gold and pearl cocktail ring on her finger. Was it the pendant actually a locket that said BT does? <laughs> Your boyfriend totally fucking killed me. <laughs> oh, I wish that would be so amazing. <laughs> so the police asked her if she'd come down to the station with them and she agreed. The detectives were shocked at how things were turning out. They arranged to have some of Teresita's family members who could identify the jewelry meet them at the station. Once everyone had arrived, they were able to confirm that the jewelry was from Teresita's apartment. I love this so fucking much. <laughs> I know, dude. I, when I can't I this, how much I fucking love this. <gasps> it's so good. When oh I heard this, God. I was like, I just am so shocked I had not heard of the story before. Literally I fucking was, yeah, same. It's fucking great. When confronted with this information, Alan confessed the murder. He told the police that he was planning to rob her because he needed rent money. Since she was expecting him, she let him into her apartment willingly, but as soon as she turned around this to lock the door- This guy's a fucking idiot. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I know you're like getting into all of it. This no. guy's a fucking idiot for every fucking thing imaginable. Yeah. Let's assume this is the case. You need rent money because you can't even get your fucking girl like- A Christmas Fucking party. like- Buy two, get one free earrings at Claire's for fucking Christmas. Yeah. Because you're like, and I'm going to guess the hospital is like paying you nice. Let's be fucking real. Hospital pays nice. Yeah. But whatever. You don't rob someone you know. 
Yeah. Because then they can identify you. And then if you kill them, then your time goes up significantly. You rob a fucking rando. You're so bad at this. I literally can't fucking handle this. Oh my fuck. Yes. Yes. (sighs) Don't murder somebody you work with that they can trace you to that you're like, yeah, you literally know each other, obviously. Because everyone knew you were going to her apartment to quote unquote fix her TV. Like you literally were like telling people that's what you were doing. And you're like, I'm going to take advantage of this. I'm going to like make the best of this. Yes. Because the majority of murders happen by people you fucking know. Yes. You f- there's very few times that it's like a random incidence. You're so bad at this. I like literally can't handle it. And you're literally the worst. And I fucking hate you. Yeah. And a, a woman's dead because you're a fucking idiot. Yes. You're probably going to be more infuriated in a minute, too. I'm certain. (sighs) She lets him into her apartment willingly, but as soon as she turned around to lock the door, he attacked her from behind and placed a chokehold on her neck until she stopped struggling. He then stripped her to make it look like a sexual assault and stabbed her once in the chest. (sighs) I... uh, Yes. One, you're trash. Two... Completely unnecessary. Like... Unnecessary. Three... I'm not condoning this, but if you want to make a thing look like a sexual assault... Then you need to make it look like a sexual assault. And it it can't, like, you're so bad at all of this. And again, because it was the 70s and we had like zero shit. I don't know how any crime was solved before like 1994. Right? Ballistics and fingerprints. That's it. Like, that's what we were going on, basically. Ballistics, fingerprints, and a fucking prayer. Like, seriously. (laughs) Like, on the real. And like interviewing people. That's it. (laughs) For sure. You're so bad at this. I'm like personally offended by how fucking bad you are at this. And if you're going to be this bad at this, then just don't do it. Like just fucking take up a second job at like a Jiffy Lube or something. I don't know what the fuck to tell you. Yeah. It seems like a lot of extra effort and risk for not having any guarantee that you're actually going to get anything. For sure. And like be like, oh, and you know what? I think I should like keep all of this evidence and like give it to my girl for like a belated Christmas gift. Yeah. Instead of pawning it, getting the money and like buying something that wasn't affiliated to the murder. Especially in those yeah. days where like you don't need an ID. You could just be like, my name is, um, yeah, they just write John it down Hopper. in the book or whatever. Yeah. And they'll be they like, just lie about everything. About everything. Yeah. This, you could literally go on a plane with a fucking gun in this time. Yeah. That's a fact. Like you're so bad at this. I'm taking this as a personal fucking affront. <laughs> you got fuck, shit. What the fuck is this asshole's name? Alan Showery. Alan, Alan what? Showery. Fuck you. <laughs> Facts. Like. Facts. And this lovely, amazing woman had to die because you're a fucking clown? Yep. Fuck you. Yep. Ugh. And despite his plan to get rent money, he was only able to find $30 so he grabs some jewelry to because try to make the, the crime Because he's the fucking worst at this. Yes. You case even, a joint. Yes. Fun. Like he didn't even know whether or not she had enough on her to have rent money. And yet he murdered this woman anyway, like on the off chance that she was going to have this. And for what? And here's the <sighs> nothing. thing. You're literally nothing. You, you murder her for 30 bucks, some jewelry. And you're like, I don't, they don't have mandatory minimums at this time, but like, you're you're looking at the gas chamber, homie. Yeah. Because this is what the fuck you did. You're literally, to steal a line from one of my favorite movies ever, The Hangover, you're literally too dumb to insult. <laughs> that is very good. I am like That's good. offended by how fucking stupid this person is. I'm offended that a woman had to die because of how fucking stupid this person is. Yeah. You're going to be a little more infuriated. I yeah. mean, yeah. 
I was like, just, I'm just bracing you. I'm no, I know. You. I appreciate you. Yep. So then obviously the crime ends when he strips her and starts the fire to dispose of the evidence. Alan was arrested and charged with murder. He pled innocent, saying he was coerced into confessing because of police threats to jail his pregnant common-law wife as an accessory. On January... And, yeah. just, and the jewelry just showed up by osmosis? Yeah. On January 21st, 1979, the case went to trial but ended in a hung jury four weeks later and was declared a mistrial. During Showery's trial, his defense lawyer, William Swano, suggested that Mrs. Chua faked the trances because she had been fired from the hospital. Quote, never to my knowledge has a man been arrested because of a supernatural vision. End quote. Fine. However, why is it that he has the jewelry? Yes, also, he was not arrested based on the supernatural vision. They just were led to him based on that. And then the he evidence... agreed to questioning. And in questioning, they realized all of that was correct and that he was the most likely culprit of this crime. And they then confirmed it when his girlfriend had all the fucking jewelry on her. I... <sighs> Your shocked face is correct, Moni. Correct. And things like, I don't know, again, like what he told them. He doesn't seem to be a particularly good liar. So I don't know if he was like, no, she sold the jewelry to me at work, something. I duh. And he made up some bullshit excuse of why he had the jewelry. Well, he also said he wasn't there. Yes. And like, there was the note. And she obviously told her friend on the phone that a male visitor was coming over. So like, all the signs, all the evidence. So again, he was not convicted based on this quote-unquote supernatural vision. He was convicted based on, well, no. He based was, on, yes, he his was, one He was charged based on the evidence. Yes, and he confessed to the crime, which, again, he later rescinded, but he did confess. And whatever, like, you know, obligatory devil's advocate, there is, like, uh, you know, coerced confessions, blah, yes. blah, 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 sure. And I can forgive all that, and I could get on board with that. But, homie, why is the jewelry on your fucking girlfriend? That's where you done fucked up. So, a new hearing was scheduled for February of 1979. While he was in prison awaiting trial, he changed his mind and decided to plead guilty. Correct. Some claimed that he switched his plea after Teresita's ghost visited him in prison. Yes. Because apparently, yes, it Teresita. was completely his decision to do this. And his lawyers actually encouraged him to take his chances on a new trial. I... <laughs> So glad. I'm glad you're here. Oh my God. Okay. Like I, as I've brought up repeatedly over the podcast, I've been doing a lot of work on myself and I'm a Scorpio and my baseline is to be as vengeful as possible. And that's not a great look. It's it's fun though. (laughs) But it's also not a great way to have that like seething, like I'm going to fucking get you. Because it's like. You don't start your day like that. No. And also like, you don't mean shit to me. Like, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to live my life there you and, go. like, rock my life and, like, fuck you. And, you know, there are people who are, like, I have a list of people I'm going to haunt the fuck out of when I die. And I don't want to, like, live in that energy. No. But if this was my deal, I would haunt the fuck right? out of whoever. Girl. Oh, my God. Girl. Teresita, you're a fucking queen. Hell yeah. And the official Monique Sanchez stance is, like, she totally haunted the fuck out of him was, like, I mean, you, like, can do whatever you want, but if you don't plead guilty, I'm going to, like, haunt the fuck out of you, like, for the rest of your life. So, like, do the right thing. So, figure it out. Okay, thanks. Bye. Bye. I would love that. That's 
That's what I want to believe. I'm obsessed. Good. I'm so glad. I like can't handle it. I don't know why I don't know this story. I know. Me neither. Obsessed. Good. Okay, well, keep that energy because this next sentence oh, is going to be like a little infuriating, obviously, okay. because he was sentenced to 14 years, but he only served five before he was released from it's prison. The fucking on 70s. Parole. Yeah. 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 I know. But that's okay because I'm confident Teresita didn't let him live that shit down. I hope not. I hope he knows to this day that she's still fucking like, I got my eye on you. Oh, for sure. I'm certain that he has every waking moment is just torturous which she's like i'm not gonna let you live this down motherfucker right girl i hope so i am certain that i see this like there's not gonna be a fucking waking moment no i'm not gonna allow you to have a waking moment where you don't fuck think of me. no absolutely not fuck yes teresita was a bad bitch she's not bad bitch queen putting up with this shit fuck yes the story about the ghost who solved her own murder made headlines in newspapers across the United States and Canada. Fuck. Yes. Yes. But is that really what happened? I'm saying yes. So <laughs> obligatory devil's advocate portion of my story. Wah, wah. Wah, wah. <laughs> so Remy was also a Philippine native and a respiratory therapist who had worked briefly at the same hospital as Teresita and Alan. Okay. Remy had met Teresita during an orientation session, but the two worked different shifts and didn't really know one another well and had apparently only met a few times, according to Remy. So, okay. So you sharing that information, to me, is the opposite of devil's advocate. To me, it reinforces it of like, this chick didn't even really know her. Yes, but they did meet. Sure. They had worked, they worked at the same hospital sure. in the same department. They didn't work the same shifts. So, but they weren't like BFFs. No, but I think the implication is that one, she could have like overheard things that were happening. Like apparently as soon as the cops asked specifically like, oh, hey, was Alan Showery have any uh, like connection to Teresita? And they were like, oh yeah, he was going over to fix her television the night she got murdered. See? So it was one of those things like skeptics will say that obviously she overheard it. She overheard or she just knew from, you know, water cooler talk or whatever. Because apparently this apparently is the sketchiest thing about these visions that Remy had didn't start until she got fired from the hospital. So she gets fired and then basically the visions start the next day And while Remy wasn't close with Teresita, Remy worked closely with Alan and was apparently afraid of Alan. Now, you and I would say that's because she had fucking good vibes and knew he was a fucking murderer and that's why she was afraid of him. But some people have implied that it's possible that Alan criticized her work. And got her fired. That's what got her fired. And then she was like... Fuck this guy, basically. Sure. Except why does he have the fucking... Here's the fucking receipts. Why does he have the fucking jewelry? Also, let's assume... Let's assume that there is no possession. Let's assume that didn't happen. Okay. Obligatory devil's advocate. The ODA. The jewelry was still found in his house. Yes. He still got convicted for like four seconds, but like it still happened. Yes. What's actually the fucking problem here? Exactly. That's really the point, I would say, is because the police did not know about 
They don't know dick. They didn't know about the jewelry. The case had literally gone cold. Like they were not going to solve this murder. And this information that came from this supposed possession is the catalyst that let them solve this crime. Without this information, this crime would not have been solved. Also, one, 10,000%. Two, I don't see what she gains from claiming she was, she was possessed. possessed. I think really what people said was that... That she could be blameless in like accusing this dude? Kind of, and that she didn't feel comfortable going to the police directly and just saying like, hey... But okay. Here's the deal, which I kind of find far fetched because, like, why wouldn't you just say the police? And then if she was faking it, I would be so insistent after my first, like, quote unquote vision to my husband and be like, no, we need to go. If I was like faking it, right? You'd be like, no, we need to go to the cops. Like, I know it's going to sound crazy, but like, we need to go to the cops. Like, they need to know this instead of being like, no, I'd like. We don't know. It's weird. I don't think they're going to believe us. Like, we shouldn't tell them anything. And then you have another episode, another trance. And then finally, your husband's like, okay, this is kind of happening a lot. It's really creepy. I don't want you to do it anymore. Like, maybe we should tell the cops. Yeah. And it's like, it's been a minute since I've been in an exclusive romantic relationship. So like, I don't know how the fuck things go anymore. But I would imagine... If this is all a ruse and you're pretending to be possessed to yeah. your partner, that's not like a cute look. No, it would definitely give me pause. We're like, eh. if you're like, did I very, choose poorly? <laughs> very crazy person. God damn it. She seemed so normal. Yeah. Is this like Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade? He chose poorly. poorly. Yes. And like his face melts. Yeah. Fucking <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, I wouldn't be like. You know what's going to get my dude rock hard is if I pretend I'm a dead girl. Yeah, right? Like, he'll be into that. It's like role playing. I'm like a different person when I'm possessed. I think if we're obligatory devil's advocate, advocate, what the fuck is the word? Advocating? Advocating. Thank you. Yes. If we are obligatory devil's advocating the stance that it's all the ruse for whatever the fuck, there seems to be, from, from what I can tell, very minimal reward for it. Yeah, I don't really get it. You're running the risk of the cops not believing you and treating you like you're crazy over actual, correct, valuable information which the cops need. And like people in the medical field where you have just been fired from a job thinking you're fucking crazy. Yeah. Because this is going to be in the papers if they like look into it. It's going to be in the papers. You don't want like your professional life fucked for the rest of your life because you're like... (laughs) I, you know, they're not like, we're going to give you a special on A&E. No. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, no. She's like, I'm going to be fucked if I apply to hospital because they're going to be like, she's this crazy person who claims that she has like spirits jumping into her solving crimes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I should have my own TV show. I shouldn't be fucking applying right? for respiratory and therapist jobs. This exactly. is Exactly. This is bullshit. I need a fucking a, a TV show on Lifetime or A&E. Seriously. Clearly. Fuck you, Amy Allen and Steve Deshavi. Move the fuck over. over. <laughs> Remy's, Remy's, Remy's running this motherfucker. Hell yes. Um. Yeah. No. I'm. I'm not buying that this is bullshit. So that's the obligatory devil's advocate portion. They worked in the same hospital. I mean, she did know Alan Showery. He is possibly the reason she got fired. The visions did not start until literally right after she got fired, mm-hmm. which seemed suspicious. Except that all the information she had was... All the information she had was Dead on balls accurate. Dead on balls accurate. Yes! 
It's an industry term. I love you so much. And I like, I'm sure no one will believe me, but I genuinely quoted that to myself, just like by myself in my apartment the other day, because yes. Fuck yes. I love it. I haven't said that in years. It's so good. You called it out to me. (laughs) It's so good. Psychically, telepathically. (laughs) There you go. Listen to our twin telepathy episode last week if you haven't. Yeah. Because Monique and I obviously have twin telepathy together. I've decided. Thanks. We're sisters from another mother. We are. It doesn't rhyme. That's great. It's from That's another mister. One. That's the rhyme. From another mister. mister. Sisters oh. from another mister. Yeah. Boom. Boom. There I love go. that. So, obviously, I leave it up to you. Whether you believe that Teresita's ghost possessed Remy to solve her own murder, or whether you think she just knew a bunch of this shit and pieced it together from working at the same hospital as them. One spoiler she did, two, she did it, who actually gives a fuck? Justice was served. Yes, because while it seems impossible, one thing is true. Without the information provided by Remy, police wouldn't have known the jewelry was missing and Alan Shari would never have been arrested. Detective Stahula said, quote, to this day, I'm not quite sure whether I believe how the information was obtained Nonetheless, everything here is completely true, end quote. Fuck. Yes. I'm so obsessed. So Kit and Rory didn't believe it, obviously. (laughs) Kit and Rory, I thought we could be cool, man. No. (laughs) They were, no, no. They chalked it up to them just knowing each other from the hospital and her like. You know, I mean, sure. I don't give a fuck. He got arrested. Yep. Even if he served a handful of years. Fuck this motherfucker. Because Teresita is still haunting the fuck out of this motherfucker. Right? Still alive. I hope so. Girl, get it. You deserve your vengeance. I was yes. fucked up. Did yes. you dirty. Real dirty. For what? $30 and some jewelry. That's it. Bullshit. You know. You still owed your rent, motherfucker. You didn't even make your rent. Yeah, you weren't rent stabilized. You didn't owe $30. <laughs> no. It's that I always, when I hear these stories, I always come back to that, that one of the last scenes in Fargo with Queen Frances McDormand is uh, as a fuck and she's like apprehended the bad guys and and she's like all that for just a little bit of money yep I think about it so perfect all of the time because it's so fucking true even if it's like a hundred thousand dollars like on a on a purely selfish standpoint you're fucking your life yeah forever like let's say let's assume you get away with it for the rest of your life you have to look over your shoulder because you're like, is today the day that yep. it all comes fucking tumbling down on me? Exactly. For the rest of your life. Like, I don't want that. That's no, man. way too much stress. Fuck that. I'm lame. I don't do anything. Same, girl. So, like, I don't have to worry about anyone being like, what the fuck? I'm like, yeah. I'm the lamest person I know. That's how I like it. Let's keep it that way. Exactly. Don't get any fucking crazy ideas. Yeah, man. Um, that story was so amazing. I literally can't handle it. Good. I knew you would like it. I read this and I was like, ooh, mm-hmm. this has Monique written all over it. That's correct. Yeah. You know me. I'm so obsessed with the story. Good. I'm so excited. I am too, because I love a good uh, paranormal true crime. You for know sure. I'm for it. Yeah. Fuck yeah. For sure. I can't handle the story. I love it so much. And uh, I'm like I... doing a little dance. I'm so excited. You so much. <laughs> Hell yeah. I, I maintain that there's so such minimal reward to faking it. I'm kind of leaning that way too, honestly. Like, you just, you know, because it's a thing that reminds me of people who, who, Allege that they have had alien encounters or abductions or whatever. Yes. Like, they don't make bank. They, kind of, their lives are destroyed. They're, like, ridiculed for the most part. For the most part, they're oftentimes, like, I can't even leave my house because I'm, like, freaked the fuck out to leave. So it's, like, 
what do they get out of making something up when it's like yeah. destroyed their life? So I'm like, what does this woman get? Especially someone in the medical field. I would imagine like those people aren't woo woo. No. And like, I feel like your reputation means a lot to you in that field. For you sure. You very hard to get where you are. So then to be like, not even, not even, I had a dream that she came to me. I was fucking possessed by this dead woman. Yeah. Girl. Yeah. That's a lot of look. You know what I mean? Like, and that's one of those things that you're like, we don't have to discuss that. Yeah, exactly. We don't have to bring that up. (laughs) So I I just don't see how someone in a field that requires like credibility would just be like, oh yeah, this totally happened when it didn't. Yeah. And you're right. Honestly, you could have, you could have phrased the whole thing as a dream. You could have been like, look, I know this sounds crazy, but like, I I had a crazy dream where this happened. And like, I just, I'm going to look into what they released in the, to the public quote unquote to see. Cause I feel like that will. Cause if that was not released. Extra. Yes. Extra credibility. I agree. Yeah. I totally agree. That story was amazing. Good. Good. I'm glad you liked it. All right, you got some, you got some little crime time for me, a little scary true crime. So this is a little abstract in in regards to the true crime-ness. So bear with me, but I think you'll like it. And babies, it's June, it's Pride Month. Happy Pride. Hell yeah. So I wanted to do a story that reflected the love and respect I have for the LGBTQIA community. I'm so excited right now. Okay. Yeah. Which which was a little tough uh, being saddled with the true crime portion this week because I didn't want to be like, Jeffrey Dahmer was gay and killed a bunch of gay people. Happy yes. pride, guys. <laughs> that is kind of like a weird, morbid take on it. Yeah. Right. And I, I didn't want to do that because I, I didn't feel that celebrated the community of like, um, no. people, people killed a bunch of you guys for just being who you are. Happy pride. Yay. Um, oh. So instead, what I have decided to do, uh, my story on, is the gay rights movement versus the American Psychiatric Association and the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual <gasps> of Mental Disorders. Girl. Yeah. Extra credit always. Like, you do such a good job. I'm very – I weirdly got chills with you just saying the the topic because I'm I'm fucking here for this. Good. Yeah. This when, was such a good choice. Yeah. Thank you. When you mentioned Correct. a little bit ago, you're like, I should have gone to in psychology. I was like, I got you. Girl, yes. So, sources. Psychologytoday.com. A paper titled, When Gay Was Not Okay with the EPA, which <laughs> – Well played, Dr. Seuss, move the fuck over because Sarah Bowie is the new rhyming sheriff in town. That's how you get people interested in academic article, people. Take notes. I, to be completely transparent, I was like audible eye roll. And then I read the paper and I was like, oh, this paper's actually excellent. (laughs) But I was like, girl. Um, She nailed it, though bbc.com curedocumentary.com nbcnews.com lgbt50.org aglp.org which is the association of gay and lesbian psychiatrists okay so in case you didn't know which i didn't 
Until 1973, the American Psychiatric Association defined being gay as having a mental illness. Early attitudes towards homosexuality in the Western world were rooted in Christian ideals. Before the High Middle Ages, homosexual acts appeared to have been tolerated or ignored by the Christian church throughout Europe. Beginning in the latter 12th century, however, hostility towards homosexuality began to take root and eventually spread throughout European religious and secular institutions. According to many popular interpretations of Christianity, sex was intended for procreation only, which I remember. <laughs> okay. I remember learning this in school. It was union and procreation. Settle down. I mean, that's why people had 57 kids. Yeah. Also, in case you don't know, Christians are not into birth control at all. Again, why they have 57 kids. Yes. Therefore, homosexual behavior was considered sinful because it could not result in reproduction. Homosexual acts, as well as other non-procreative sexual activities, were condemned as quote-unquote unnatural and quote-unquote a crime against nature, Ugh. which fucking relax. Yeah, exaggerate much, honestly. Like, guys, come Seriously. on. And this is coming from the Catholic. <laughs> like, <laughs> fucking relax. okay, yeah. <laughs> and it wouldn't be long before these religious ideas were soon incorporated into legal sanctions. Ugh. These religious attitudes carried over into secular law in England, enacting the first secular law criminalizing, quote, the abominable vice of buggery, end quote, or anal sex between men, in 1533, making it a felony punishable by hanging. Laws criminalizing homosexuality later appeared in the United States as well. The English colonies in America adopted English laws against sodomy, citing Leviticus 2013 from the Old Testament, which assigned the death penalty to a man who, quote, lies with a male as with a woman, end quote, as the basis for establishing sodomy as a capital offense. Many of the early American colonies enacted stiff criminal penalties for sodomy, which was an umbrella term that encompassed a wide variety of sexual acts that were non-procreative, including homosexual behavior, premarital sex, or sexual acts that violated traditions, such as sex between a husband and wife, where the woman was on top. Okay. If you want to do all the work all the time, fucking knock yourself out. Like, I'm good. Like... But dude, settle down. Settle the fuck down. Literally, if you decided to ride your husband... Wait till they hear about reverse cowgirl, girl. They're gonna fucking <laughs> lose their shit. They're like, she's facing the other way. Stop the presses. Literally, this was criminal for you to ride your husband, who you wow. were legally married to. Get the fuck out of here. Like, that is her legal dick that she's allowed to ride whenever she wants. It's like, okay? that's my dick. That's my I dick. I do whatever the fuck I want with I it. I put a ring on it. That's mine. Goddamn right. But <laughs> apparently they're like, no, missionary only. You're like, hit me. So boring. All right, whatever. Get the fuck out of here. It's an oldie and a goodie. I get it. But like... For sure. You gotta stick with the classics. the spice of life. 10,000%. Yeah. The statutes often describe such conduct only in Latin. Or with dramatic phrases such as, quote, wickedness not to be named. End oh. Quote. Relax, Voldemort. I mean, I'll have a dash of that. That sounds fun. Here's the thing. <laughs> so you're not actually like swaying me against this in any way, shape, or form. How can you name it that and be like, I mean, don't do it. Don't <laughs> like, but it sounds so fun. <laughs> I really want to. They don't name it like wrestling and cow shit. They name yes. it like the sexiest, hottest shit ever. Yes. How the fuck do you not want to do that? Thank you. How do you not want to be on top? 
guys, you're basically just advertising it to me. They need better PR for this. <laughs> for real. <laughs> Catholic Church, get it the fuck together. Fucking it up. In some places, such as the New Haven Colony, male and female homosexual acts were punishable by death. Jesus. Take a chill pill. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Why can't we just be cool? For real? Like, I just don't know. It's not that hard. It's like. It's not that hard. Yeah. If you don't want to ride, if you don't want to ride your husband on top, then don't. Yeah. Nobody What's your neighbors doing? It. Yeah. Who gives a fuck? How does that affect you? Literally in zero ways. Yeah. We don't need to involve other people in this yeah, and, scenario. And there's no like, <laughs> but what do we tell children? Why are your children watching you fuck? No one needs to know this. Seriously. Like, enough. Enough. Thank you, Monique. There's a lot in this where I'm going to get really angry. I mean. Because it's outrageous. Yeah. Um, it's the true crime portion. Anger kind of goes hand in hand. It's the true crime. Yeah. And my, my thing of it is that this was illegal is is where the crime thing is like this uh, it was illegal to be yes, homosexual yes while homosexuals have historically experienced many different types of intolerance perhaps some of the most harmful discrimination in recent memory can be said to have come from the mental health and medical professionals yeah by the end of the 19th century medicine and psychiatry were effectively competing with religion and the law for jurisdiction over sexuality as a result, the discussion about homosexuality expanded from the realms of sin and crime to include that of pathology. Mental health professionals labeled homosexuals as abnormal, pathological, and deviant. The craziest thing was that this shift was generally considered progressive Ugh. because it's easier to forgive someone for their deviant behavior because they're sick than if they're a sinner or a criminal. By like choice, quote unquote, is the exact of this. Okay, yeah. They're just not a piece of trash because they feel like it. They can't control it because yes. they're sick. It's the whole, it's not their fault that they're that way because they're sick fit. In an effort to eradicate this illness, medical professionals were focused on finding and curing the cause of homosexual behavior. In the 1860s, neurologist Jean-Martin Charcot suggested that homosexuality was entirely inherited rather than acquired from the environment because of his own observations that homosexuality did not respond to hypnotic treatment. Obviously. We, yeah. You really should not have been surprised by that, sir. No, it didn't yeah. respond. So clearly that means that this is a you problem. Yes. Maybe you. My quackery yeah. didn't fix you, so this is clearly a you problem, Ugh. sir or madam. <laughs> I it's like, it's going to take a lot for me to not just like flip over all of our podcasting equipment as we go through <laughs> It's just enraged, Because yes. it's so fucking crazy that I can't even handle it. Um, this is not that long ago. I was, li like, you literally Christ. just took the words out of my mouth. I was opening my mouth to say this was not that long ago this either, was which is four the minutes most, ago. This was the most horrifying thing about it is that it really was not. This is in our lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. These theories regarded adult homosexuality as a disease, a condition deviating from quote unquote normal heterosexual development. The presence of atypical gender behavior or feelings were symptoms of the disease to which mental health professionals would need to attend. These theories held that some internal defect or external pathogenic, external pathogenic agent caused homosexuality, and that such events can occur pre- or postnatally by intrauterine hormonal exposure, excessive mothering, 
inadequate or hostile fathering, sexual abuse, etc. Which... All right, you're blaming a lot of shit that has nothing to do with anything. But okay, yeah, thanks. And the miasma got her too. I'm sure. What like, girl? Like, like what else? Are we blaming? The vapors? Like what's? Yeah. I mean, you know, I it like, was rainy on tu- that the Tuesday. Basically, whatever, like, and she coughed three times before she gave birth. Oh, and like, not three, four is fine. Four Two is fine. fine, but like the three. Oh. Autumn Prime, we can't fucking do that. This is like fucking outrageous. Um, so dumb, and it's gonna get so much worse. I know. Theories of pathology tended to view homosexuality as a sign of a defect or even as morally bad, with some of these theorists being quite open about their belief that homosexuality was a social evil. For example, psychiatrist and psychoanalyst Edmund Burglar wrote in a book for general audiences, quote, I have no bias against homosexuals. For me, they are sick people requiring medical help. Still, though I have no bias, I would say homosexuals are essentially disagreeable people. Regardless of their pleasant or unpleasant outward manner, their shell is a mixture of super siliciousness, fake aggression, and whimpering. Like all psychic masochists, they are subservient when confronted with a stronger person, merciless when in power, unscrupulous about trampling on a weaker person, end quote, which flames on the side of my face. And as for the like comment that they're like, they basically bend over and are weaker when they're confronted. Sweetheart, at two in the morning, if you're on the train and you fuck with a drag queen, fucking tell me that they're going to roll over. Right? They will fucking come for your children, motherfucker. Seriously. Fuck you, you're trash. I can't even fucking handle it. Oh my fucking Christ. Also, but like no bias though. No bias. But like no bias. No bias. But no like bias. I'm about to say all this really horrible biased shit. Okay, thanks. But also like no bias. Yeah, cool. Fuck you. Ugh. However, even within medicine and psychiatry, homosexuality was not universally viewed as a pathology. In 1897, Havelock Ellis, a British sexologist who authored the first medical textbook in English on homosexuality, argued that homosexuality was inborn and therefore not immoral, that it was not a disease, and that many homosexuals made outstanding contributions to society. Yes, fucking correct. Yes, exactly. Obviously. Obviously. And then we have our homie, Sigmund Freud. Sigmund Freud's basic theory of human sexuality was a little bit different from Alice's in that he believed that all human beings were innately bisexual and that they become heterosexual or homosexual as a result of their experiences with their parents and others. And that exclusive homosexuality represents an arrest in normal sexual development. However... That sounds a little like kind of sus, but he agreed with Ellis in that homosexuality should not be viewed as a mental disorder. In a now famous letter to an American mother who had written Freud in 1935 in distress about her gay son, Freud wrote, quote, homosexuality is assuredly no advantage, but it is nothing to be ashamed of, no vice, no degradation. It cannot be classified as an illness. We consider it to be a variation of the sexual function produced by a certain arrest of sexual development. Many highly respectable individuals of ancient and modern times have been homosexuals. Several of the greatest men among them, Plato, Michelangelo, Leonardo da Vinci, etc. 
it is a great injustice to persecute homosexuality as a crime and a cruelty too, end quote. Fucking Thank you. Freud. Get it? 1935. Yeah, seriously. You guys, fuck. Like, you should have done better by 1970. <sighs> you should have kind of, yeah. Figured your fucking life yeah, out. seriously. But, you had you know. 40 fucking years. Guys. Yeah. Figure your fucking life out. Do better. Do fucking better. Oh my God. Yeah. And here's the thing. You don't even have to do dick because these people did the work for you. Yeah. You just be like, just you listen. just also yeah. like sign your name on the card. They there bought it. There you go. And you're there like, you yeah, go. me too. Great. Yep. That's, That's it. That's we're asking. That's it's it. not much. But no, this is why we can't have nice things. He also told the woman he did not believe that homosexuality was curable or that it even necessitated a cure. And as a clinician, he refused to treat homosexuality unless the treatment was for some disorder unrelated to the patient's sexuality. In that same letter, Freud noted that if the woman's son were, quote, unhappy, neurotic, torn by conflicts, inhibited in his social life, analysis may bring him harmony, peace of mind, full efficiency, whether he remains a homosexual or gets changed, end quote. So he's like, I mean, if he has some other shit going on that he's helping, I'll totally help him out. But like, homosexuality doesn't need to be changed. Yeah. He's fine. He doesn't need treatment. He doesn't need treatment. He's fine. He just needs you to love him and not be such a fucking cunt, apparently. I mean, facts. Yeah. Just saying, you know. And Freud also saw no reason why sexual orientation should be the basis to refuse someone permission to become a psychoanalyst, since at the time, being homosexual... What? Yes, obvious discrimination. A mental illness, Mm. aka a mental... Yeah, it did not occur to me that, yes. Because again, this is a mental illness and you're a sexual deviant. Yes. If you're homosexual. Automatically disqualified you from moving to the next round of interviews, apparently. But again... Okay. I know, it's so like... I hate everything. And again, because we can't have nice things... Later, psychoanalysts did not agree with Freud's medical opinion, and almost immediately after Freud's death in 1939, most psychoanalysts publicly rejected his views. This rejection was especially prominent in the United States. Hungarian psychoanalyst Sandor Rado, who moved to the United States, rejected Freud's assumption of inherent bisexuality, arguing instead that heterosexuality is natural and that homosexuality is a, quote, reparative, end quote, attempt to achieve sexual pleasure when a normal heterosexual outlet proves too threatening, which fucking relax. And in case you didn't- Projecting. Girl. In case you didn't understand what the fuck that meant, because that's all like, you know, medical speak. It's like, well, people become gay because it's like too complicated to bang a chick. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Fucking relax. Yeah. And this sounds like a you problem, sweetheart. They viewed homosexuality as a symptom of an underlying disorder that required treatment. Other analysts later argued that homosexuality resulted from pathological family relationships during the Oedipal period, which is four to five years of age, and claimed that they observed these patterns in their homosexual patients. American psychiatrist Charles Socarides speculated that the cause of homosexuality was pre-Oedipal and therefore even more pathological than had been supposed by earlier analysts. And the thing that's the most fucked up thing that's probably not remotely surprising to anyone is that although psychoanalytic theories of homosexuality 
once had considerable influence in psychiatry and in the society and culture at large, they were not subjected to rigorous testing practices. Gotcha. Because okay. fucking of course Because not. why would they be? Yeah. Why would they be? There's a there's going to be a lot of like heavy exhaling. <laughs> heavy sighs. Throughout. Heavy sighs. Yes. Instead, they were based on analysts' clinical observations of patients already known by them to be homosexual, which compromised the validity of the psychoanalytic conclusions in at least two important ways. First, the analyst's theoretical orientations, expectations, and personal attitudes are likely to be biased in his or her observations. Yeah. Fucking obviously. obviously. Yeah. I fucking passed chemistry with a fucking prayer, and I even fucking know this shit. Seriously. What the fuck? Oh my god. In regular, non-bullshit studies, to avoid such bias, scientists go out of their way to ensure that the researchers who actually collect the data do not have expectations about how a particular research participant will respond. Such procedures had not been used in clinical psychoanalytic studies of homosexuality. The second problem with these psychoanalytic studies is that they only examined homosexuals who were already under psychiatric care, which you can't draw conclusions about homosexuals in the general population based only on data from homosexuals who are psychiatric patients. Yeah. But again, it, it's... It's like it, stacking the deck against you in the study, basically. For yes. sure. And it's that thing is that they're, it's a confirmation bias of like they're deviants yes. anyway. So we're going to get people who are... Then the study shows they're deviants, but we're only pulling from a pool of, of people who... Psychologically deviant people to begin with. Exactly. Yes. Oh my fuck. Yes. Guys, you, I just want to be like, you're not, I'm just a caveman. Um, <laughs> for those who know I'm frozen caveman lawyer. You're not, I'm, I'm just an actor. I don't know dick about fuck. And even I know this. What the actual fuck, guys? Seriously. This is your job? Yeah. And you're like... I mean, I'm nailing it. Spoiler, you're fucking not. No. Like, for so many years, I, like, want to rip my face off. I'm so fucking angry about this. Due to the taboos surrounding homosexuality and sexuality in general, there were few empirical studies conducted on these topics in the 19th and early 20th century. Some of the first to emerge were the Kinsey studies of sexuality. Hey, Hey, girl. Conducted in the 1940s and 50s at the Institute of Sex Research, the Kinsey studies found that homosexuality was much more common than previously had been thought, citing a prevalence rate of around 10% in the adult population. The Kinsey studies also proposed that homosexuality could be viewed along a spectrum, with pure homosexuality and pure heterosexuality on either end, and bisexuality in the middle. And although these studies were pivotal in the psychological history of homosexuality, initiating a change in popular attitudes towards homosexuals, they were also very controversial. And as a result, their funding was pulled in the 1950s because a fucking course it was. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. I still have many more pages left and I'm just <laughs> going to keep getting angrier. <laughs> The next study that questioned the belief that homosexuality was unnatural was conducted by anthropologists Clellan S. Ford and ethologist Frank A. Beach in 1951. They found that homosexuality not only occurs in all human societies, but also in almost all animal species. Bonobos! Yeah, yes! Girl. A study that advocate groups would later often cite as evidence that homosexuality 
is in fact natural. Yes. This is 1951. In your face, <laughs> fucking psychologist this is liars. 10 years. This is still 20 years away. Yeah. From guys. Yeah. What the fuck? I just, I can't. But of course, at the time, the studies were for naught because in 1952, the American Psychiatric Association made this discrimination against homosexuals official when the APA published the first Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, or the DSM, and classified homosexuality as a mental disorder. The APA's manual had defined being gay as a, quote, sociopathic personality disturbance, end quote. It gave a supposedly scientific rationale to prejudices already widespread in the U.S. and elsewhere. One of the major issues that emerged due to the APA classification was that because it was supposedly based on scientific findings, it was difficult for homosexuals to dispute views which held them as deviant. Their opponents could simply dismiss any of their arguments because they were quote-unquote sick. Ugh, Ugh. that's so infuriating. It's so insidious. You can't even defend yourself. Because it's like, sweetheart, I understand. You're just sick. You don't know what you're saying. Ugh. Ugh. The label had a huge impact on the homosexual community, as well as the general public's view of homosexuality, as the APA classification made the atmosphere more hostile and businesses and the government used it as an excuse to openly discriminate against and to oppress LGBT people. Documentarian Bennett Singer says that in retrospect, the post-World War II period appeared to be especially homophobic in the U.S. and elsewhere. Singer said, quote, My sense is that there was a new push towards conformity after the war, a return to normal political life and social life. Embedded in that was this sense of heterosexuality that men should marry women and that women should have kids and be subservient. This fitted the classic model of what a healthy society was, end quote. In the documentary Cured, Margoa Kennedy, described as the, quote, gayest great-grandmother in the gay, lesbian, bisexual, and transgender community, which oh queen God, work, That's great. Yes, recounts being forced to marry a man at 14 <gasps> for fear of being institutionalized against her will, no. and that this was a common practice after the war, which, oh my God, 14 is so young. It's, this is why there's like an age of consent and 14 is not it. Yeah. And fuck. she's like, well, I I either do this or I get institutionalized for the rest of my life, literally. It's not like, literally. okay, you're going to go for a few months and then, like, well, you'll come back and it'll be fine. Like, no. Yeah. And this isn't like a club fed, like, I mean, there's tennis, whatever. It's like they're going to be treating you fucking terribly and like doing experiments and crazy shit on you. Yeah. An electroshock therapy you. and some fucking girl, we're like, getting into ice it. or something. We're getting into it. Yeah. <sighs> this part breaks my heart. The ruling also profoundly damaged the picture LGBT people had of themselves and of whether they were valued in society. In a heartbreaking interview and cured, journalist Ron Gold spoke of the impact the mental illness label had on the gay and lesbian people of his generation. He said, quote, people use psychiatry as a reason to discriminate. Apart from the discrimination against us, it gave us a horrible image of ourselves. Even I, who really was not a closeted gay person ever, had this feeling that if someone was in love with me, they must be as sick as I am. End <gasps> quote. Which, like, 
chills. I just oh, want to sob for the rest of my fucking life. Like, oh my fucking God. Because these people have been sold that it's like you're fucked <sighs> up and you're sick. So that even when you're the happiest and you're with someone, it's like, but I mean, they're fucked up too because that's why they're in me. Yeah. They wouldn't be if they weren't sick. Uh. Uh. Throughout the 19th and early 20th centuries, there were a number of treatments for homosexuality that oh, included no. the use of hypnosis, electroshock therapy, lobotomy, hysterectomy in lesbian women, and castration <gasps> in gay men. Girl. Which I'm like, what the fuck does that have to do with anything? Nothing. Literally Nothing. <sighs> And various behavioral treatments such as abstinence and aversion therapy to treat and cure homosexuality. In the 1950s and 60s, some therapists employed aversion therapy to quote unquote cure male homosexuality. Oh my God. I can't even imagine what that was like. Uh, oh my God. Yeah. Okay. This typically involves showing patients pictures of naked men while giving them either electric shocks or drugs to make them vomit. Oh my yeah and uh like or whatever the fuck that shit is i have oh. no fucking idea okay. if you saw i believe it was season two of american horror story they uh sarah paulson who's a fucking queen oh my fucking god she plays a lesbian journalist and she ends up like i want to say she like she checks into this psychiatric ward as like an undercover reporter. Nellie Bly situation. Yeah, yeah. but it, it kind of comes out that she's a lesbian and they put her through the version therapy <gasps> and you see her just like looking at pictures of women like vomiting because of what they're giving her. I'm like, I just... Oh my God, no. Why can't we all be cool? I literally don't fucking understand this at all. So they're giving them shock therapy. They're giving them drugs to make them vomit. And once they could no longer bear it, they would show them pictures of naked women and would send them out on a quote-unquote date with a young nurse. Ugh. And needless to say, these cruel and degrading methods proved entirely ineffective. Fucking shocking. Yeah. And while in the 60s, practitioners of these quote-unquote cure therapies often claimed high success rates, by the 1970s, many of the same therapists admitted that few of their patients stayed quote-unquote cured for long. Yeah. Because that's not... Take the fucking hint. How that fucking works. Yeah. The APA classification also further stigmatized the homosexual community and gave quote-unquote scientific weight to those opposed to homosexuality. That's just, the grossest part. Literally oh, same. Yes. Like yes. science to fucking support like bigotry. And sanction and, it. Yes. Oh, just yeah. awful. Just so awful. So the gay community was further burdened in their fight to be accepted as normal in mainstream society by a medical diagnosis that suggested that they were somehow deviant and abnormal. And so the fight for the reversal of the APA diagnosis became the focus of the gay rights movement. Yes. Enter queen, Dr. Evelyn Hooker. Hell yes. So here's the thing. I could just go into the study but I was so fascinated with her life that I had to get into it. So bear with me because I like can't handle this woman's life. Oh my God, tell me everything. Evelyn was born Evelyn Gentry in North Plate, Nebraska in her grandmother's house and grew up with eight brothers and sisters <gasps> Damn. in Colorado Plains. When she was 13, her family moved to Sterling, Colorado. Evelyn's mother, Jessie, had a third grade education and told her daughter to pursue an education because 
that was the only thing that could not be taken away from her. That kind of gave me chills too. Same. That's really sweet. Okay. I like... I love that. I'm obsessed. Yeah. Uh, and it's that thing that you don't think about, but you're like, yeah. Yeah. Fuck yeah, absolutely. And because the Gentry family wasn't wealthy and Evelyn stood at six feet tall, she was... <gasps> yeah. So Get big girl. it, girl. Get it. She's a fucking Amazonian. Queen. Yes. But of course... Own that shit. Because people are trash. Oh, she was like the subject of intense bullying and was very discriminated against because all the boys were just jealous 10,000 fucking percent still an advocate of education jesse enrolled her daughter in sterling high school which was unusually progressive for the time and while she was there evelyn was in an honors program and was able to take a course in psychology in fucking high school right that's crazy fucking definitely not high school now by the time she was ready to graduate, she had obtained a scholarship to the University of Colorado Boulder. In 1924, she became a student at UCB. Again, not upright citizens. It's period. great, I was to say. That's the one I know. It's, University of Colorado Boulder. That, yeah. Exactly. That's the one I know. Yeah. Because I'm not changing the world. Because I'm a fucking dunce. That's the one I know. <laughs> this is not... Luckily I mean, that's for, the first thing I thought of, too. all of because, us. Yeah. Evelyn is not going to Upright Citizens Brigade. <laughs> yes. And while working as a maid for a rich Boulder family, she attended UCB. Her mentor, Carl Munzinger, guided her in her challenge of the then prevalent psychological theory of behavioralism. She wrote her thesis paper on trial and error learning in rats. He invited her to write her own case history. After receiving her master's, she became one of 11 women involved in the PhD program in psychology at Johns Hopkins University in Baltimore, Maryland. Damn! Having been refused referral from the chairman of Yale for being a female. Go fuck which, yourself. Go fuck yourself. Seriously. She studied with Knight Dunlap, who also generally did not approve of women doctorates, but guess the fuck what? She was awarded her PhD in 1932. Get it, fucking queen. Yes. I'm obsessed with you. In 1937, Evelyn received a fellowship to the Berlin Institute of Psychotherapy, and she lived with a Jewish family while she studied in Europe. While there, she got a firsthand look at the rise of Adolf Hitler <gasps> and witnessed such events as Kristallnacht. What? Yes. That's and crazy. I literally just gave myself chill saying that. Yes. She learned later that the Jewish family she lived with was killed in concentration camps, and the events that Evelyn would see in Europe ultimately sparked her desire to help overcome social injustice. Yeah. Wow. It, queen. I like like I was like, I can't not include, not include all of that. This. That's amazing. This yeah. is literally amazing. That's crazy. She applied for work in the psychology department at UCLA, and it just so happened that the chair of the psychology department at UCLA at the time was Knight Dunlap, Evelyn's mentor from Johns Hopkins. Dunlap said that he would like to give her a job, but they already had three female faculty members, and they were, quote, cordially disliked, end quote. Quote, go fuck yourself. Right? End quote. She was able to get a position as a research associate, however, and Evelyn quickly gained a reputation as a brilliant teacher and researcher. In 1944, Evelyn was teaching an introductory psychology class when a student approached her after class. He identified himself as Sam Fromm, and he confided in her that he was gay, and so were most of his friends. 
She realized that Sam was one of the brightest students in her class and quickly became friends with him. They would spend time between and after classes talking and getting to know each other. Sam introduced Evelyn to his circle of homosexual friends. They would go to clubs, bars, parties, where Evelyn was able to meet and spend time with more gay men. And guess what? Realized they were totally normal, really nice people. Yeah. Like everyone should have guessed all along and were just being huge dicks about it. Yeah, that they were all the bomb.com. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. But then Sam proposed a question to his professor. Why not conduct research on homosexuals to determine whether homosexuality was some sort of disease or disorder and not relevant to a person's psychological makeup? He urged Evelyn to conduct research on homosexuals, saying that it was, quote, her scientific duty to study people like us, end quote. Oh, I love it. Oh, I love it. So good. Okay. And Evelyn was intrigued by the question. And further persuaded by her experience with social rejection as a child, witnessing the effects of racial and political persecution in her travels and discrimination in her professional life. So she's like, yeah, yeah, let's let's do this. Let's do this. And although Evelyn had been collecting data about her gay friends since 1954, she felt that it was of little value because of the lack of scientific rigor attached to the gathering of this data. You know, she's biased from it. She knows these people. She applied for a grant from the National Institute of Mental Health, even though she was warned that it was highly unlikely she would receive it due to the controversial subject matter. Remember, this was the 1950s. It was at the height of the McCarthy era, and homosexuality was considered to be a mental disorder by psychologists, a sin by the church, and a crime by the law. Crazy. I mean, fuck. Crazy. Her request was so unusual that John Eberhardt, the chief of the grant division, personally flew out to California to meet her and inquire about her proposed study. What? And he told her that she might not receive the grant due to the political climate at the time. And she even later learned that Senator Joseph McCarthy's henchmen were keeping an eye on her because of the topic of her study. Can you fucking imagine? That's how you know you're doing some real shit. 10,000 fucking percent. Yep. But Evelyn was a charmer. I love this girl. Okay. I'm fucking obsessed. And she convinced Everhart to award her the grant. Hell yes. And with that, Dr. Evelyn Hooker became the first researcher to empirically study homosexuals. Evelyn! Evelyn, you're a queen and we're obsessed. Yes. Fucking pioneer. Fuck. Let the women do the work. Yes. Guys. Girl. It's funny. We switched. Because I always do the girls. And you always do the guys. We're We're rubbing on each other. She gathered two groups of men. One group would be exclusively homosexual, the other exclusively heterosexual. She contacted the Mattachine Society, whose purpose was to integrate homosexuals into society to find a large portion of homosexual men. She had greater difficulty, though, finding heterosexual men for the study because they were afraid of how it would look. If it were known that they were associated with such a study. Okay. You can't be like, no, no, no. I swear I was in the, the heterosexual yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Exactly. And yes. So she used her home to conduct the interviews to protect the participants' anonymity. Wow. Okay. She's fucking committed. She's like, I'm getting this fucking data. Like, we're doing For this. For sure. She gathered a sample of 30 heterosexual men and 30 homosexual men and paired them based on equivalent IQ, age, and education. For the interest of the study... It was required that none of the men from either group 
had previously been seen for psychological help in disciplinary barracks in the armed services in prison had shown any evidence of considerable disturbance or were in therapy. So she Damn. was like, you clean can't slate. clean yeah. slate. So it can't be like, well, I mean, obviously this they're deviant. I mean, yeah. um, it was like, no, no, no. Clean slate for everyone involved. We're having... Yes. Evelyn used three psychological tests for her study. The TAT, the Make a Picture Story Test or MAPS test, and the Rorschach Inkblot Test, which was believed to be the best method of diagnosing homosexuality by clinicians at the time. So ridiculous. I mean... So ridiculous. Sure. It's kind of been proven to be, like, bullshit, right? Well, so... It's just an association thing, basically, like... Well, so I, I have a friend of mine who's a shrink, and Rorschach test came up, anymore, and right? he was like, actually, they're very helpful, but oh. it's how you use them. Okay. You don't use them to be like, this is your day. Like, he's like, it is very helpful, and he was like, I'll do one on you, and I was like, oh my god, and he's like, I mean, I don't know if I can, though, because I know you, so yeah. there's already the bias, but he says they're very helpful, they're just not for what everyone has decided they're used for. Okay. You use them for something completely different. It's, it's not really like a, a set diagnostic exam. Right, not like, at all. You do this and based on your answers, I can say you're this, this, and this. It's just like... No, it's kind of like just gathering information. Yeah, it's people. kind of seeing like your stream of consciousness and what... Yes. Exactly. It's yes. not like you clearly want to fuck your mom because you saw a butterfly right. or some shit. Yes. It, they, he's like, oh, look like butterflies to me. Yeah. <laughs> I would fail immediately, like, uh, yep, butterfly, uh, moth, okay, um, yes, yeah. cicada. Silence of the lamb. Yeah. <laughs> so after a year of work, Evelyn presented a team of three expert evaluators with 60 unmarked psychological profiles. <gasps> yes. She decided to leave the interpretation of her results to other people to avoid any possible bias. Evelyn is doing all of this oh, on yeah. the up. Yeah, she's got, she's got it. She's fucking nailing yeah. it. First, she contacted Bruno Klopfer, an expert on Rorschach tests, to see if he would be able to identify the sexual orientation of people through their results at those tests. His ability to differentiate between the two groups was no better than chance, which surprised him since he had previously claimed to be able to differentiate based on this test alone. Shocking! What a fucking fighting! Then... Edwin Schneidman, creator of the MAPS test, also analyzed the 60 profiles. It took him six months, and he too found that both groups were highly similar in their psychological makeup. I love this. I'm obsessed. So much. So much. (gasps) The third expert was Dr. Mortimer Mayer, who was so certain that he would be able to tell the two groups apart that he went through the process twice. The assumption was that these tests would prompt respondents to reveal their innermost anxieties, fears, and wishes. Each test result would be submitted in random order with no identifying information to Klopfer, Mayer, and Schneidman. The judges had two tasks, to arrive at an overall adjustment rating at a five-point scale, and to distinguish in pairs which participant was homosexual and which was heterosexual. The three evaluators concluded that in terms of adjustment, there were no differences between the members of each group. There it is. There it yeah. fucking is. Guess the fuck what, motherfuckers. Guess what? Yeah. Look at that. And you even have the guy who made, who created the, the fucking, fucking test, test being like, oh. Yeah, exactly. 
Based on her results, Evelyn made the controversial and groundbreaking conclusion that homosexuality was not a clinical disorder, but it was instead a deviation within the normal range of sexuality. She also stated that the role of sexuality in personality structure and adjustment was much less important than previously assumed. Evelyn published her study entitled, quote, The Adjustment of the Male Overt Homosexual, end quote, which addressed the issue of whether homosexuality was indicative of psychopathology. Her study was a pioneer study in many ways, but as she notes in her paper, it was revolutionary in great part because no previous study involving homosexuals had included subjects who didn't come from clinical practices, the army as a disciplinary measure, prisons, or mental hospitals. This is literally the first time. That's so crazy. Yeah. I just, I don't know how you don't see the bias. Yeah. They do. They just don't give a shit. They don't give a shit. Yeah. They're like, I'm clearly right. Yeah. Because they're we all fucking the fuck deviants. Yeah. Of course they're like in prison. They're deviants. Yes. I fucking hate it. How are we going to get a clean sample? There is no such thing basically in their head. Yes. Exactly. Yes. In 1956, Evelyn presented the results of her published study at the American Psychological Association's convention in Chicago. The National Institute of Mental Health was so impressed with the evidence Evelyn found, they granted her the NIMH Research Career Award in 1961 to continue her work. Get it, girl! Ah, oh, uh, Evelyn! So that's it. In 1956, everyone finally realized that homosexuality <laughs> wasn't an illness and therefore didn't need a cure. They were super cool. And the American Psychiatric Association apologized for their error, promptly removing homosexuality from the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, and everyone out for apps and margs at Chili's. Amazing. Obviously. I'm just kidding. Obviously. We're still (laughs) 20 fucking years away from anything actually happening. Wait, let me guess. Let me guess. This is why we fucking can't have nice things. Yes. Because in 1962, six years after Queen Evelyn's groundbreaking study that gay people are just like everyone else, assholes like prominent psychoanalyst Irving Bieber published what he alleged to be a scientific study of a group of gay males in psychoanalysis. Beaver believed that homosexuality was caused by pathological relationships between parents and children. Uh, somebody has fucking mommy issues. Beaver, looking at you. Girl, we're gonna get into Again, it. Again, projecting. Ignoring lesbianism altogether, because women don't matter, obviously. <laughs> um, he claimed that gay men came from binding, seductive mothers and distant, hostile fathers, which, sweetheart, all of that sounds like a fucking you problem, and you need to look at your motherfucking (laughs) life and your choices. I mean, I see where we got this idea, yeah. That is specific as fuck. (laughs) Right? Um, You need to look at your life and look at your choices. Do you want to talk to somebody? Or something sweetheart who yeah. hurt you <laughs> right what is happening in your fucking like, life don't take this out on the homosexuals they literally Whoa. did nothing to you and clearly you have some issues that you need to work through Ten thousand percent he also felt that quote-unquote pre-homosexual boys were easily identifiable and should be treated early on to eradicate any signs of homosexuality lastly bieber believed that there was an inherent psychological pain experienced because of homosexuality, and he considered this pain his impetus for treating and curing homosexuality. 
And the thing is, the pain people feel from being gay is from assholes like you who make them feel like there's something wrong with them for being gay. Yes, like that's society fucking putting that bullshit on you. Like that's not... That's straight up gaslighting. Yeah. Oh my it's god. It's like, why are you fucked up about the fact that you're gay when all I've done is treat you like shit because you're gay? And that's the only reason I treat you like shit. But why though? That's like a you thing. Yeah. Like we need to fix that. Oh, infuriating. It's infuriating. Fuck this guy. And Bieber claimed to have found a quote-unquote cure rate of 27% among the participants as a result of his psychoanalytic intervention. And in news that is shocking to absolutely no one, neither Bieber nor his fellow researchers were ever able to reproduce the same results. Uh, yeah. Yeah, because it's fake. It's not real. Yes. And in science, you have to be able to reproduce it. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Also important to note, as was often the case with studies of this nature, the study was never reviewed or critiqued by anyone in the field, although gay rights activists produced a number of responses to Bieber's findings. I'm sure, because they were like, uh, yeah. Hi, Hi this is bullshit. Kay, thanks. That's not true. Okay, thanks, bye. Can you go fuck yourself? Thanks. Cool. Yeah. In 1968, the DSM-2 was published and this time listed homosexuality as a sexual deviation. It read, quote, 302, sexual deviations. This category is for individuals whose sexual interests are directed primarily towards objects other than people of the opposite sex, towards sexual acts not usually associated with coitus, or toward coitus performed under bizarre circumstances, as in necrophilia, pedophilia, sexual sadism, and fetishism. Even though many find their practices distasteful, they remain unable to substitute normal sexual behavior for them. This diagnosis is not appropriate for individuals who perform deviant sexual acts because normal sexual objects are not available to them, end quote. What is happening that people are just like, they're like, I can't get a date with a dude or a guy and are like, so I guess I'm just going to fuck someone on my team. Is this actually a thing that fucking happens? I, like, uh, the fact that, like, oh, like, they're getting lumped in with, like, pedophiles and sadists and, like, people who have sex with dead who bodies. Who are actually deviant. Who actually are deviant. Like, it's so, oh, so upsetting. That's literally my next line. This categorization effectively put gay people in the same category as pedophiles. Yes! Further justifying society's disdain of sexual interests that deviated from the heterosexual norm. And holy fuck, was there a lot of it. In 1966, WTVJ in South Florida filmed a police officer addressing school students about oh, the dangers no. of being near gay people. Oh, God. <gasps> the officer said, quote, they can be anywhere. They can be policemen. They can be school teachers. And if we catch you with a homosexual, your parents are going to know about it first. End quote. Fear mongering. Settle the fuck down, like, dude. Are we actually, I mean, who didn't love an assembly? I would rather not do work. But like, literally, I have to listen to this fucking garbage. I would rather be in class. Go fuck yourself. Dude. I'm not listening to this verbal diarrhea. Go no. fuck yourself. The following year, an edition of CBS reports called The Homosexuals Reporter Mike Wallace said, quote, The average homosexual, if there be such, is promiscuous. Which, like, get it, queen. That's great. Okay. Is there something wrong with that? Oh, wait. Do you not like getting your dick wet, Mike Wallace? Go fuck yourself? Clearly the fuck not. He's not interested in or capable of a lasting relationship, like that of a heterosexual marriage. Okay. Oh, yeah, because the record on them is doing so good. <laughs> yep. 
the pickup, the one night stand. These are characteristics of the homosexual relationship. End quote. Which my next line is, considering that the divorce rate is 50%, I'd say the straights aren't nailing it yeah, on that front. Seriously. Like, enough. I fucking cannot. A new generation of gay rights activists viewed medical and psychiatric portrayals of homosexuality to be just as problematic as the religious views. Gay men and women were still being denied many basic rights, and the designation of homosexuality as a mental disorder had only exacerbated anti-homosexual societal prejudices, leaving gay men and women vulnerable in terms of their physical safety, economic security, and overall well-being. Photographer Kay Lawson said, quote, We could not expect our civil rights as long as we were burdened with the sickness label. End quote. The publication of the DSM-2 coincided with the emergence of the gay rights movement. The Stonewall Riots in 1969 marked a watershed event in the movement. Having successfully challenged the police and government attempts to shut down public places where gay people gathered, gay activists would soon challenge psychiatric authority as well. Barbara Giddings, who is widely regarded as the mother of the LGBT civil rights movement and gay rights activist Frank Kameny, waged a multi-year campaign for the declassification of homosexuality as a mental disorder. Yes. Yes. Fucking finally, yes. Yes. There was a lot of buildup to this because it needed oh, to Oh, no, be. you needed the background for sure. Like, yeah. I know you thought it was bad, but like this no. is actually how bad it yeah, fucking was. Yeah, you level. In 1970, the Gay Liberation Front and Gay Activists Alliance demonstrated at the annual meeting of the American Psychiatric Association in San Francisco, demanding to be allowed to voice their opinions. The APA medical director at the time, Melvin Sabshin, which what a fucking name. All right. Damn. Recalled that there were lots of quote unquote hard words exchanged between protesters and the APA members. And it was so disruptive that the APA hired security to ensure order at future meetings. Oh, shit. Like, they're not yeah. fucking around No, here. seriously. The next year, Giddings, Kameni, and fellow agitators stormed the meeting, and Kameni seized the microphone, demanding to be heard, saying, quote, We have been listening to you people for years. Now you listen to us. <gasps> End quote. Full body chills. It's so good. I was going to say mic drop, but opposite of mic drop. Like, hold that mic. Say your shit. Yes. It's so good. He yelled, quote, Psychiatry is the enemy incarnate. Psychiatry has waged a relentless war of extermination against us. You may take this as a declaration of war against you. End quote. Full body chills. And I know he's gay, but like sploosh. Oh, yeah. Like... Fuck city. Yes. Girl. I'm so here for all of this. Get the caution wet sign. Yes. It's a fucking, it's a wrap. Slippery when wet. (laughs) For real. For the APA's annual meeting in 1972, Kameni and Giddings organized a panel on homosexuality. Dr. Judd Marmore, a heterosexual psychiatrist who had studied homosexuality, was also invited to be on the panel. But as Barbara Giddings later noted, the panel had homosexuals and psychiatrists, but did not have a speaker who was both. The activists had difficulty finding a gay psychiatrist who was willing to come out and be on the panel for fear of losing their medical license and patience. Oh, Like, I just, why can't we have, why can't we be cool and have nice things? Like, God, just be cool. Just be cool to one another. What the fuck? 
they were finally able to convince Dr. John Fryer to participate, but Fryer was still reluctant to come out to his colleagues, so calling himself Dr. H. Anonymous, he wore a wig and a mask to disguise his face and used voice-distorting microphone to distort his voice. Like, this poor man, like, can't even just live his truth and be his fucking self. Like, exactly. Oh. Disguised as Dr. H. Anonymous, Dr. John Fryer shocked the American Psychiatric Association's 1972 convention by being the first psychiatrist to publicly state that he was a gay person. Yes! He represented all the people who were hiding and invisible. Giddings, Kameni, and Dr. Anonymous asserted that the disease was not homosexuality, but toxic homophobia. Yes. Yep. Thank you. Yes. Facts. Although the panel in 1972 was more successful than the previous one, their request to remove homosexuality from the DSM was once again denied. The point the campaigners kept returning to time and time again was the absolute lack of scientific data to support the assertion that being gay was a mental illness. Consequently, the APA formed a committee to determine whether there was scientific evidence to support their conclusion. At the 1973 APA convention, the diagnosis of homosexuality was once again debated. Kiddings and Gammy were once again invited to present, and Ron Gold, who was the one who yeah. earlier said about like being sick, like, if you loved me, you were clearly sick too. Aww. He also participated in the panel to debate the pros and cons of changing the DSM. And he didn't hold back, even titling his speech, quote, stop it, you're making me sick, end quote. <gasps> in it, he said, quote, you don't have the right to decide that perfectly happy people are sick, end quote. So many chills are happening oh. right now that I, oh. I, that literally just like brought tears from my eyes. It's I, so I can't beautiful. That's so, oh. it's just, he's right. He's, he's right. fucking right. That's he's why. like, how are you yeah. telling me I'm sick when I'm like living my best life? Yeah. At this convention, the nomenclature committee of the APA would be the ones to break the deadlock by setting out to decide what exactly constituted a mental disorder. They determined that mental disorders should be defined as having, quote, regularly caused subjective distress or were associated with generalized impairment in social effectiveness of functioning, end quote. Thus, they concluded that homosexuality was not a mental disorder according to their definition of the term as it did not by itself cause homosexuals distress and had not been shown to impair social functioning. In 1973, the American Psychiatric Association asked all members attending its convention to vote on whether they believed homosexuality to be a mental disorder. 5,854 psychiatrists voted to remove homosexuality from the DSM and 3,810 to retain it. So on December 15th, 1973, the APA's Board of Trustees officially removed homosexuality from the DSM. The American Psychiatric Association, the largest psychiatric organization in the world, made history by issuing a resolution stating that homosexuality was not a mental illness or sickness. This declaration helped shift public opinion, marking a major milestone for LGBT equality. The resolution stated, quote, we will no longer insist on a label of sickness for individuals who insist that they are well and demonstrate no generalized impairment in social effectiveness, end quote. The statement continued to say that the APA supports, quote, 
civil rights legislation at local, state, and federal levels that would ensure homosexual citizens the same protections now guaranteed to others, end quote. And as optimistic as this change was, the APA's decision did not instantly change popular views on homosexuality. As historians note, in 1973, homosexual acts were still illegal in many states. Gay military members were still dishonorably discharged for homosexuality. Gay people could still be legally fired if their orientation was discovered, and violence towards gays and lesbians persisted. And although many members of the APA supported the decision to remove homosexuality from the DSM, there were also those who felt that it was a hasty political decision and that it was not founded on research, which none of what you said was founded on research. Yeah. So fuck you. And perhaps as a concession to those against the 1973 decision, a new revision of the DSM called DSM-2 was published in 1974 and replaced homosexuality with sexual orientation disturbance, which regarded homosexuality as an illness only if the person was, quote, disturbed by, in conflict with, or wished to change their sexual orientation, end quote. The DSM-2 was sure to note that homosexuality by itself did not constitute a psychiatric disorder. But again, like, who the fuck doesn't want to change when everyone is treating them terribly? When it's like, yeah, we can totally legally fire you if we find out that, like, you're a guy and you have a boyfriend. Of course you'd be like, my life would be so much easier if I was straight. Yeah, I'm, like, distressed by the fact that I have to deal with all this discrimination and I have to literally hide who I am. That's not a mental disorder. No. That's just you accurately assessing the fucking world you're living in and how it's treating you. Yeah, and living in a shit situation. Yeah. 10,000%. In 1980, a later edition of the manual, DSM-3, was published and renamed Sexual Orientation Disturbance as Ego Dystonic Homosexuality. What? <sighs> this is like making shit up now? Okay, whatever. Exactly. Yeah. The essential features of which are, quote, a desire to acquire or increase heterosexual arousal so that heterosexual relationships can be initiated or maintained, and a sustained pattern of overt homosexual arousal that the individual explicitly states has been unwanted and a persistent source of distress. This category is reserved for those homosexuals for whom changing sexual orientation is a persistent concern and should be avoided in cases where his desire to change sexual orientations may be a brief temporary manifestation of an individual's difficulty in adjusting to a new awareness of his or her homosexual impulses. Again, it is completely natural to be like, my life would be so much fucking easier if I weren't gay when it is legally sanctioned to be shitty to you for the sole purpose that you're gay. Yeah. Like, what are you not getting about this? Where is your disconnect? <sighs> this new diagnostic category, however, was criticized by mental health professionals on numerous grounds. It was viewed by many as a political compromise to appease those psychiatrists and many psychoanalysts who still considered homosexuality a pathology. Not to mention, widespread prejudice against homosexuality in the United States meant that many people who are homosexual go through an initial phase in which their homosexuality could be considered ego-dystonic. According to the APA, quote, fears and misunderstandings about homosexuality are widespread and present daunting challenges to the development and maintenance of a positive self-image in gay, lesbian, and bisexual persons and often to their families as well, end quote. Correct. Yes. So in 1987, the diagnosis was removed entirely 
from the DSM. Fucking finally. Fucking finally. Jesus. The rest of the world, however, was slow to follow the APA's decision in 1973. And it wasn't until 1992 that the World Health Organization finally removed homosexuality from its international classification of diseases. 1992. I didn't know that. That's wild. Fucking insane. The evolution of the status of homosexuality in the classifications of mental disorders highlights that concepts of mental disorder can be rapidly evolving social constructs that change as society changes. Uh, Yeah. Have you been around the last few years? Yeah. Today, the standard of psychotherapy in the U.S. and Europe is gay affirmative psychotherapy, which encourages gay people to accept their sexual orientation. Now, 47 years later, LGBTQ advocates are still fighting to achieve that reality. Despite significant steps forward, in 2020, 31 states still lacked clear, fully inclusive, non-discrimination protections for LGBTQ people, meaning that LGBTQ people are at risk of being fired, denied housing, and denied services for whom they are or whom they love. On February 18th, 2001, the Equality Act, which would provide consistent and explicit federal non-discrimination protections for LGBTQ people across key areas of life, including employment, housing, credit, education, public spaces, and services, federally funded programs, and jury service, was introduced in the House of Representatives and in the Senate on February 23, 2021. On February 25, 2021, the Equality Act passed in the House of Representatives with a bipartisan vote of 224 to 206. In recent years, the APA has continued to advocate for LGBTQ people, including forcefully opposing the dangerous practice of so-called conversion therapy and opposing the Trump-Pence administration's ban on qualified transgender people serving in the military. And if there is one thing that I hope you take away from this story... It's the reminder that progress, while slow, is certain. I love that so much. Yeah. You did an amazing job. Thank Seriously. You. That was a very daunting topic to cover. Yeah. And you did it justice 100%. Thank you. <sighs> Happy Pride, guys. Happy Pride. That was amazing. Thank you. We're getting better. We're getting better. We're doing better. Slow but certain. Slow but certain. Yeah. That was a wonderful note to end on, too. Thank you. That leaves me, like, hopeful for the future. Yeah. And so I mentioned this documentary a couple times. Cured. Cured. Okay. Yeah. And it premiered at a few festivals, and I was trying to find it, and you kind of, like, can't have to, like, request, like, screenings and shit. Oh, okay, yeah. And I wrote them being like, hey, I have this podcast. And they're probably like- Did they send you one? Oh, okay. No. (laughs) Like, fuck you. So everything I got was from, like, their website. Uh, Whenever I referenced them was the website and the trailer. Okay. The trailer is like two and a half minutes long. It is a chill factory. And like, I definitely got teary eyed by the end of it. I'm sure. Incredible. Yeah. And I really can't wait for it to come out because it it goes into all of this. And awesome. Yeah. I'll have to keep an eye out for that. Yeah. Likewise. Oh, that was so fucking good. Thank you. Yeah. Fuck. You know, and it's really easy to see something as just daunting and insurmountable but it's it's the the consistent drop of water that cuts through the stone you know what i mean yes and, yes and it's that thing of you know the the 
squeaky wheel gets, gets the, the grease. Oil, yeah. And just don't shut the fuck up. Yeah. Don't, don't keep, be complacent. And if something really matters to you, just keep fucking talking to the point of being fucking annoying because at some point they'll deal with you just, just to, to get you, you off their back. And then Which, you Yeah, it doesn't matter. You still got what you wanted out of it. That's the whole point. I mean, because to the point they started, they protested the convention and then two years later were asked to do a panel. So it's like, I'm not going to shut the fuck up. No. So you could either and you can't include me. me in this or like we can just keep storming your shit. It's your fucking choice. Yeah. Because we're still going to get what we want in the end. So yes. it could be now or it could be later, but we're still getting what we want. Yes. And although progress has been made... The fight is clearly not over. For sure. There's yeah. 70 countries where it's still illegal to be gay. And I believe nine of them, it's punishable by death. Like, you know, we're <sighs> yeah. still, we're still fighting the good fight. Yeah. But I, I just really wanted to do a story that showed my love and respect and admiration for the LGBTQ community. So I felt like this was the right one for yes. the true crime portion i loved it yeah. Yeah, so well done thank you so well done brilliant yeah um and if anyone is looking for a really interesting read on kind of like the alternate history of human sexuality mm. and what it quote unquote like really is oh. versus what we've been kind of force-fed to believe it is uh sex at dawn which is by christopher ryan and i believe his wife calcita jetha and it's really good. It's really interesting. Uh, came out 2010, so it has been out for a while. I feel like they really talked about it a lot on like maybe like Joe Rogan and stuff, a mm. bunch of podcasts back back when it first came out. Um, but if you haven't checked it out, highly recommended. Very cool. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. You know, a couple book recommendations in case you're, you want to take a break from Netflix or something. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what you're doing. Yeah, man. I got it. Yeah. I started watching the... Um... The Dirty John Betty Broderick season. Oh, yeah. I have had that recommended to me several times, and I've not checked it out. I mean, Amanda Peet. Oh, she's great. You yeah. don't fucking deserve her. Yeah. And she's fucking beautiful, and she's just fucking great and a queen. Christian Slater has had a lot of work done. Yeah, yeah. I've seen him in Mr. Robot. Is, I yeah. Think, yeah. And it's that thing of, they never look younger. They always no, look the they same age, like but they, weird. Yeah. That's it, yeah. You know? And, oh. and then you have Amanda Pete who, like, if she has had work done, it's very minimal because she definitely has, like, her lifelines around her yeah. eyes. And she's so fucking stunning. Yeah. Like, she's not pretending to be 20 years old, but it's also like, girl, if I look that way, if I look half, half as good, good as you right? at that age, I'm, like, nailing my fucking life. <laughs> I'm grateful. Thank you. Um, But it's great. I'm a little fucked up about it because they're very sympathetic to Betty. Oh, okay. And she's a murderer, I'm assuming? Or? Yes. Okay. So, I mean, I always heard her to be a basket case because a lot of the shit that I have read, and that could be, a, you know, sign of the times and whatever, like yeah. a hysterical woman. But the thing is, I also, like, have dealt in my life with, like, very unstable women, and I'm not sympathetic to those bitches at all. Yeah. So I'm like, for real. But Amanda Pete's so good that I'm kind of like, all right, I'll bite. Yeah. Fine. But I'm very much enjoying it. I'm like halfway through, uh, through it. <laughs> well, if I remember her performance in uh, Saving, Saving Silverman, I was like, she plays an plays an unhinged woman very well, girl. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> One, this doesn't get stated enough. Steve Zahn is the most underrated actor he of is. our generation. He's, he's hysterical. He's hysterical, but not only that, he's like a great actor. Yeah, like, he even really his dramatic is. roles, like. 
everyone's been sleeping on Steve Zahn and I don't know what the fuck is happening because no, everyone needs great. to wake the fuck up because yeah. he's incredible. You're totally right. I use a line from Saving Silverman so often that no Tell one Tell me what it is because <laughs> I also have a line from Saving Silverman that I use all the time. If it's the same one, then we're like... I don't think it is, but... <laughs> you're leaving Johnny and we're getting married. I'm not even like into that. We'll just <laughs> be heterosexual said, yeah. life partners. That's I love cool. it. <laughs> At the very beginning, because they're like obsessed with Neil Diamond. It, like this movie's fucking weird. It's so weird, but it's so great. It's great. Fucking Jack Black. Jack Black is like they're Steve Zahn's naked yoga is like all some of, it, of my favorite. It's so good. So uh. like it, it, at the very beginning, you see they're like at a Neil at a, a Neil Diamond concert, and like Jack Black is trying to get to Neil Diamond. He's like Neil, I want to party with you. I want to party with you. I say this <laughs> once a week, and no one knows what the fuck I'm talking about. I'm like. <laughs> That's uh, your loss. <laughs> that's really great. Uh, that's not mine. Mine is only for certain situations. So there's like the scene where he, he's like, all right, go left. Uh, go left, go left, go left. And he's like, I'm going right. And he just goes right. It's like anytime that comes up in any situation where they're like, go a direction, I'll just say the opposite direction. And uh, uh, it's a great one. That's a great one. That was another one that I was like weirdly obsessed with that I just like watched all the time. It was on all the time. Yeah. I remember being in college with my ex watching this all of the time. Yeah. And initially I was like, what the fuck is this? And I was like, no, this is amazing. No, it's so good. It's so funny. It's, it's so, so ridiculous. Um, <laughs> so yeah, Amanda <laughs> Pete's great. Um, and I feel like we haven't shown her the respect she deserves. And we haven't shown Steve Zahn the respect. No, not at all. Yeah. He deserves. She's Feel fucking great right in it. Yeah, she's definitely like a sleeper hit. Uh, and she's married to like the producer of Game of Thrones. Oh shit, I had no idea. Yeah, which I was like, that makes sense. That makes sense, yeah. She needs someone who's quality. Yeah. You know? Yeah. She deserves that. Yeah. Um, tracks. Yeah. That was such a fucking good story though. I'm like Thank blown you. away. You did such a good job. Thank you. Uh, I told Amy we're recording a day later than we agreed to because when we were supposed to record yesterday, I was like, I this story's not ready and I would feel disrespected if I present the story as it is right now. And Amy was so gracious to give me an extra day to to finish it up. You've Uh, done the same for me before, so there's no... Yeah. So I hope that I did do it justice. I think so. Yeah. Hopefully everyone else does as well. I do too. Happy Pride. Happy Pride. I love you guys so fucking much. Fuck yeah. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Like, it cannot be overstated how fucking obsessed we are with all of you. Um, please follow us on Instagram. We're at another fucking horror podcast. You can find me at pinupgirlmo. You can find me at lobotomy, and that's lobot period Amy. And every sixth episode is our true listener tales episode. And people have already been hitting me up <gasps> with their telepathy stories. Yes, 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 yes. Um, here for it. We want any weird what the fuck story. We I feel like we don't give a fuck what it is. No, I don't care. Like, is it weird? Does it haunt your dreams at night? Then tell us. We I want know. it. Yeah. I, we want it so bad. So you can either DM us on Instagram or you could send us an email at another fucking horror podcast at gmail.com with a period instead of the you and fucking. And we're so obsessed with you. Happy fucking pride and keep it cute. Keep it creepy. Bye. Bye.